Podcast about the A League, Premier League, and more. This week is our Premier League 23 24 season preview pod, one of our annual favourites. This, uh, sorry, last year, an Erling Haaland Man City carved up the Prem, while Arsenal looked to push City all the way but couldn't quite go the distance. We also saw Chelsea, Liverpool, and Leicester all underwhelm, while Newcastle, Brighton, and Aston Villa all overachieved. But what will this season lay in store for us? Um, and that's basically what the flavour of this pod is all about, is what do we think is going to be coming up? So this year we're mixing things up a little bit, um, mainly just due to some practicalities. Uh, myself, uh, Tommy C, George and Mikey will be recording um, some of our predictions today, uh, and I'll be joined tomorrow in, a, in another mini YouTube pod with Damon and Colby, um, where they jump on the line to, to talk about their predictions. Uh, and then uh, each of the, uh, the team will be throwing out their team-by-team previews uh, in alphabetical order um, to, to round out the pod. But first up on the pod today, we have uh, Mikey. Welcome. How are you today, mate? Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm very well, very well. Um, I'm over in the UK today, which is a bit of a change of scene for everyone. Um, early in the morning for me, but yeah, glad to be here. It, it is a very, uh, it's not a crazy early start, but it's it's early for a Saturday. So, Mikey, appreciate you and George uh, getting up early today to to jump on the line. It's it's a pretty gentle five o'clock here on Saturday afternoon. So, it's it's been a pretty easy day for me. How many how many tins in are you? Tell me, that's the real question. <laughs> well, zero right now. Disappointing. There we go. Whew. There's the first one. So, um, George, how are you today, mate? I'm Have good. you got, got a tin? My, got my cup of tea in uh, true <laughs> British fashion. Just just get me to the next week, Tommy. Bring on the football. What's your, what's your tea of choice? Oh, I've got a, um, a lemon and ginger sort of morning, fresh start, you know, Ooh. real... I thought you might have, you know, gone into like uh, like Dilma or... Uh, <laughs> you Yorkshire, can't get Dilma here. You what? can't get Dil. It's all it's all Yorkshire tea or builders tea. There's no, oh, there's wow. no Dilma here, Tommy. So, <laughs> word of warning. Wow. Word of warning. In case there you, you go. I was always a Dilma Dilma kid growing up because my parents <laughs> they're more tea drinkers than coffee drinkers. So, uh, that was that was that was what I grew up on. But you know, uh, you just can't try it. Um, well, just to continue of, the tea theme, Tom. Tell me if you like. I've got a friend who stays over here regularly, and he, he brings his own Dilmar tea in a in a little Ziploc bag. So, yeah, sure yeah. he does. Feel That's free to old. feel free to cut this shit out. <laughs> yeah. Look, uh, look. I feel like Tom. Uh, people might start to call me Tommy T if if I get this. Out. <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> Alrighty, boys. Uh, Smuggle tea. Yeah, Can't we just mail this? Uh, not not going to lie, I would not want to be bringing tea in a Ziploc bag through customs no. anywhere in the world, right? <laughs> I'm, I've got a, I think I've got an inherently untrustworthy face, so I definitely don't think I'd uh, the, the be beard trying now, that. Tommy. Yeah. The beard. 
Exactly right. Alrighty, boys, uh, without any further ado, then, I, I guess we'll get into uh, talking a little bit of Prem, though. Um, obviously, let's start with, with Man City. Um, obviously, they are a complete juggernaut at this point. Uh, either of you expecting that anyone can get uh, get near them this year? Can they? Can anyone go cl- uh, closer than Arsenal did last year? Um, at the moment, I don't think so, which is an annoying answer to give because it's a bit of a boring answer to give. But, I mean, I think last season's as close as we're going to get to a challenge to the title. And even then, in hindsight, it it wasn't as exciting as it was a bit earlier in that season. Look, I think that's a fit, pretty fair call, you know, and it was probably the answer that I expected as well because uh, I'm expecting City to, to win the title again as well, even though they've lost mm. a couple of pretty key um, important players. And I suspect they're still going to be doing um, some more business. And, and it's probably a, it's a good point to note at this point of the pod that there is still 26 days uh, of transfer window still to go. So whilst we're previewing all 20 teams today and, and tomorrow, excuse me, there is still a lot of water to go under the bridge as far as these teams go. So um, I guess there's a, an asterisk against the pod. Um, George, what do you think, though, in terms of, of City? Do you think Pep is just too too good, too experienced at um, uh, putting a squad together over the course of the 38 rounds? Um, I think I think depending on where, where they get to, Again, with their with who's leaving. So if if you know they lose Bernardo Silva, Kyle Walker, um, as well as they've lost a, a Gundogan, then I, th- I think their depth will take a little bit of a hit. I know they've got some players coming in and and uh, potentially a, a big signing in defence, but I don't know whether the uh, the juggernaut will will roll on like it did last season. Just just given you know the depth and you know the old the old treble hangover. So. I think it'll be a pretty competitive, competitive season, and and I think, as as Man City often do, that they they will start slowly, uh, and and it'll keep keep teams in the mix, um, you know, right, right up until the, uh, you know, the the uh, end of the season. Mikey, do you think Arsenal are going to be the ones that will go closest to to matching City again, or do you think there could be another challenger this year? I feel they might have had their chance and. Kind of missed it, but um, look, there's not there's, there's not too much to say that they won't also be competing for. You know, second is almost like a different thing. So Man City is already accounted for. The race for second, I'm not sure. It I think Manchester United could also be another big challenger for second. Um, but I don't know if you can really discount Arsenal yet. But I do think they may have had their golden opportunity and missed it last season. It's interesting, like Arsenal have probably strengthened their squad the the best, noting that they haven't had any mm. major um, departures out. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see, I guess, how Arteta handles the squad evolution there. Um, like obviously they, they brought in a couple of pretty important players in um, Trossard and Jorginho in January, and, and they've been there now for six months. But um yeah, there's there's a proper squad of like sort of 16, 17, 18 players there now. Whereas, you know, at the beginning of last year, there was, you know, 12 or 13 good players. And beyond that, it started to tail off pretty quickly. But, um, yeah. And there's also, but the thing with Arsenal, and, and I think I'll get to it in my season preview, is 
you know, they, they were in the Europa League last year, but now they're in the Champions League and, and it's, mm. it's a sort of step up in quality and, you know, a, a test on, on their depth. So let's see how they handle the, the additional, you know, Champions League pressure as well as pushing for that Premier League title. Boys, I mentioned it earlier on uh, in terms of a couple of teams having pretty poor seasons last year by their own standards. Who do you think is going to be having the best uh, bounce-back season? Um, I'll, I'll throw out Spurs, Liverpool and Chelsea as three teams that probably by their own standards would have underwhelmed a bit last year. Who's your, who's your pick for who's going to bounce back the best? Um, I, oh, you go, you go, George. Well, you know, <laughs> Sorry. I'm in the... Uh... I'm in the Chelsea jersey, so I think I think that was probably Chelsea's worst ever season last year. Like mm. everything went wrong, nothing was good. You know, they, they can't possibly repeat that. So, and also no European football as well. I think the last time uh, Chelsea, you know, didn't have European football, uh, it was the an Antonio Conte title-winning season. So, I'm not predicting that um, by any stretch, but I, I think. Come on, mate, you know, get off the fence. <laughs> the the potch bandwagon, yeah. I think uh, I think I think Chelsea will will definitely not finish twelfth. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I think if we're comparing it to last season, definitely Chelsea. I don't think I mean they did last season, but I don't think you can throw that much money at a football club and not win things. Like I yeah, I fully expect um, Spurs probably with you know it's easy to talk about the Ange factor, but. I don't think that's instant kind of bounce back. I think that's something that is more long-term in success. But I expect this season Chelsea to bounce back and be fighting around for pushing towards the top four. Do you think the the expectations, I guess, are lower than for Liverpool and Spurs? Like, you know, neither of those two made the, or none of those three teams made the top four last year. But mm. um, like the 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 rebuild at, at Spurs is is pretty massive, and and Liverpool are going through a bit of a squad evolution as well. Which of those teams has probably the lowest expectations of them by by their own club, sort of moving into this season? Do you think? It's a good question, Tommy. I think probably. It depends on where Spurs, how Spurs go with their transfer activity, I would say. Because, mm. you know, if there's a gaping hole at number nine, then expectations are going to be a little bit lower. Um, but if, if, you know, they keep the same team and, you know, their starting 11 is, is pretty decent. Um, so I think... Uh, and then there will obviously be pressure on, you know, to do well for, for Harry Kane to stay again. Because you're going to have this whole saga, you know, roll into the new year with if he doesn't sign his new deal or if he doesn't leave. So I think, you know, probably at the moment I'd say Spurs. Um, but, um, you know, that's obviously a, with a with a massive, massive asterisk. Mikey, your thoughts? Look, honestly, I, I'm sorry. I don't really have much more to add than that. I think you've pretty much nailed it there. Yeah, fair enough. Um, George, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that, Mikey. <laughs> Hey boys, all right. Without um, without going into like a Spurs deep dive, on the topic of specifically Harry Kane, that's that's probably the biggest mm. sort of transfer saga that's likely to be hanging around in the Premier League. You mentioned Kyle Walker already, I think George, but um, Harry Kane is is the big one. He's the big fish. He, he's only got twelve months left on his contract. Um, uh, so it, it seems to be the last six months has all been talk about what should Spurs do? Should they sell him? Should they keep him? Do you guys think 
Spurs should should cash in, or do you think they should hold on to him and hope that they make top four because it improves their um, their bargaining position for for buying players in in twelve months' time, assuming that Kane would leave on a free. They they have to sell him like he absolutely will leave on a free. I mean, this whole thing it was almost a month ago now. On my European travels, I was at the Allianz Arena on a tour, and like. Kane deal seemed like it was imminent. And this mm. thing, the longer these things drag on, I think if you keep him, it's just you're just going to have a bit of a disgruntled player on your hands, and then he will leave on a free, and nobody wins. Were they I think selling the shirts already the there, Mikey? Were they, did they have the Kane shirts? <laughs> oh, yeah, just at the door. journalist shop, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, um, yeah, when you, when you lose a guy like that, even if you get $100 million for him, I think history shows that, no one ever spends that money well, and those guys just can't be replaced properly. So, you know, they're and he doesn't seem like the guy that's going to massively disrupt the squad. He's just sort of like a guy that'll just play if he plays, and then uh, he, he, you know, take every game as it comes. And you know, whether he leaves, whether he leaves at the end of the season or not, you know, is it is it worth a hundred million? I suppose Daniel Levy would probably assume, probably say it is worth a hundred million to sell him, but. You know, he's like the fabric of the club, I guess, and it's just a, it's a massive call to get rid of him or you know let him walk. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a tough call actually. And you know, normally I'd, I'd probably lean towards you know that you know cash in and, and let him go. But when he's like the captain, you know, he's he's the main man, and it, I think it would would leave a massive dent in in Spurs whilst taking the pressure off Ange selfishly. Uh, I think it, it 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 would it goes to the fabric of the club almost when you when you when you sell your your main man your captain your top goal scorer your record scorer, um, so there's some serious considerations at play. It's not just a simple dollars and cents decision. You also suspect that Daniel Levy will try and like leave any potential sale to as late as possible in the window to try and get you know the best price. But at the same time, as we've seen, I guess not just with Spurs but with a lot of clubs, that you leave it really late in the window, then you know you can't invest the money. Or if you do get signings, mm. they they come in really late and it takes a lot longer for them to integrate into the squad. You know they've missed the whole preseason, um, and it's just a bit of a mess. So. Um, I remember thinking someone someone said that if Kane does leave, it's going to leave you know Richarlison as the the sole number nine at at um at Spurs and that, yeah, he had a good season last year, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't think of um, a, a phrase that would uh, or a sentence that would take more pressure off of um, Ange at Spurs, which is. Uh, Richarlison is the number nine at Spurs, right? So you never know. I, I do wonder if if Ange is sort of secretly crossing his fingers that that Kane leaves. Uh, just you know, might take the pressure off a little bit. Maybe I'm reading it into it too much, but anyway. Um, boys, a little bit of uh, I guess a, a change of of pace. We'll, we'll talk a little bit of kit chat uh, up now. I wanted to to get your thoughts on the the best and worst kits. So uh, uh, I'm not sure who who wants to jump in, but who's got a, a favourite kit uh, so far? I quite like the um, the Brighton um, away kit, the Western United looking number, the um, <laughs> green and black stripes. I thought Don't that would have automatically. I thought that would have automatically ruled it out for you, mate. <laughs> There's no rivalry there. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, 
You could have just said it. You liked it because it looked like Austin FC's uh, kit. Oh yeah. All right. All right. That's <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, I reckon it looks pretty clean. I'm not sure why Brighton have got a, a green and um a black kit, but I think mm. it looks pretty clean. Um, not much else to say apart from that. Another good one I thought was Everton's home kit. If you got rid of the sponsor, Ooh. the sponsor ruins it. Gambling sponsors ruin things for a lot of reasons, but mainly for me, aesthetically, just ruins a kit. Yeah. yeah. George, you disagree ones, with yeah. any of those? Uh, I, I mean, I think they're all pretty strong. Pretty strong. They're all cases. pretty strong. They're all pretty strong. I mean, I'm a big fan of the uh, Chelsea home kit um, because oh. obviously they they weren't able to secure a sponsor, so they've gone with this uh, gone with this '90s old school blue. <laughs> yeah. Just logo, and they're and they're they're pushing hard on the fact that it's you know a throwback kit, even though not... we all know that they couldn't secure a sponsor for it. So uh, that's why it's been left blank at this stage, and uh, probably they're probably going to whack a betting sponsor on there at some point. But uh, I like that. And then there's the you know there's the obvious um, confusion between the you know the similar looking kits with your your West Ham's, your 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 Burnleys. And you're, uh, I'm missing one more as well, but uh, Villa. Uh, someone, Villa, someone, yeah. yeah, someone made it. a very accurate observation, yeah. which is that, uh, like West Ham have an Aston Villa kit, I think Burnley have a West Ham kit, and Aston Villa have whatever the other one is. Like, everyone <laughs> yeah, has a yeah. shirt that looks, looks like it should be for another team, <laughs> um, which is like once you know one of those things where once you hear it you can't unhear it and i thought <laughs> fuck now now I, all i can think of is that west ham has a i think it's a i think we have a an aston villa kit so and then, yeah. and then what, what's everyone's position on the uh the buzz about the man you away kit the sort of green with the red oh is yeah it... have you seen the long sleeve version of that that's horrible the stripes <laughs> keep going down the sleeves even with the out of that stripes it's a real mess Boys, uh, I don't know if this is my bold prediction or my big call, but I actually really like that kit. I think I think there is a bit of an issue with the Adidas stripes. I think they're unnecessary. But I, uh, first of all, I also think it's black. I don't think it's green. I think there was some weird lighting on one of the, the early photos oh, right, that okay. looked like it's green. But I think it's black and white with like a red pinstripe in between yeah. them. And I think, man, I think it's fire. I, I think it's really, really good. And I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if... You know, six months into the season, a lot of people's minds start to change about that kit because <laughs> I think it's uh, a look impressive at, for performances. Me... <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Do we, do we have a position on the uh, the Arsenal away kit? Because uh, I've got some strong views yeah. on the. Uh... Yeah, that that looks horrible. That looks like some early two thousands horror show that they I don't know, we can do these patterns now, let's do them. It looks <laughs> looks horrible from the colours to the design, everything. Yeah, no, it's gonna it's gonna be some serious eyesore action in, in North London with the, with that yellow. <laughs> it's good if you're so a cyclist unusual. maybe, if you don't want to get hit by a bus or a or a, or a taxi. I think that might be useful for commuters. I feel like fluoro kits peaked in like 2010, right? And mm. like the idea of doing a, like a throwback kit for something 10 years ago just seems a bit ridiculous now. Yeah, it's not, uh, not, not good. Not good at all. Boys, uh, which uh, promoted team do you think is going to do the best out of the three this year? 
Um, this isn't based on much because I, I didn't catch much championship action, but I just feel <laughs> Vincent Company and um, like Burnley, like they're back, man. I reckon they, I reckon they're back for you know as good as it gets in the Premier League. You know, back I don't know a couple of seasons. I reckon I don't reckon they're going to go down straight away. And I put that down to the vibes of the team. I put that down to them wearing a West Ham kit or a uh, what was it, or an Aston Villa kit. <laughs> yeah, I think they've got an Aston Villa kit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. There's a new Aston Villa right here, Burnley. Oh dear, you, George? Yeah, I mean, the the thing with the the the, the team that often wins the championship playing good football, they they often come up with that philosophy and concede like hundreds of goals so i think that's one to watch but uh in terms of the uh, i think luton can can just not do well they just there's no chance luton are doing well in the uh in the premier league they've got no money like they've, they haven't made massive changes to their squad they had guys that going back on loan back out from their loans so i, I worry about luton but they will they will have some vibes at their at their stadium for sure Luton yeah, strike I mean, me that they're they're just keen to be there. They're just happy to you know get the parachute payments and go back to the championship and yeah. reinvest the money in twelve months' time. Like, I even wonder if they're even sort of serious about how how well they do this year. If it's just you know one game at a time or one bloody nose at a time. Yeah, well, they've got uh, you know, and they play at Kenilworth Road, and and you know that. <laughs> so it's not um, not known for its uh, modern modern sort of. Uh, modern amenities let's just say that mm. <laughs> well um based on what you guys have said there i don't think maybe my hot take was um that luton will not win a game this season and i Ooh, i genuinely don't know if they will. they will not win a game this season you can check the tapes they won't <laughs> and they're going to be straight down <laughs> they win on their opening day mikey that would just be great <laughs> i think they've got a terrible um fixture round one as well don't they I think every fixture is a terrible fixture. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> every 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 week they're playing a Premier League team. What are they doing? This is true. This is true. Oh no! First first round is loot is Brighton away. So look, that could oh, be worse. You like, like, you remember last year? Um, uh, was it last year or the year before? Brent um, Brentford played Arsenal at Arsenal, home. Yeah. And, was... and you like you, I remember thinking as soon as I saw it, I went, "Oh, Brentford are going to win that, aren't they?" And they they did, right? It was just it was one of those things where you could just feel it straight away. And it was yeah, um, that was a Friday night fixture as well. I remember that because mm. uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was excellent. Boys, uh, already let's uh, let's wrap up your predictions. Uh, I'll, I'll get you to run through who you think you you know your champions, your top four, who's getting relegated, um, who's going to be your top scorer. Uh, and, and if you if you think it's going to be Harland, who you think is going to be second top scorer, <laughs> uh, your player of the season, uh, and what your bold prediction is going to be. Oh, don't forget your boy to, to throw them in there as well. Um, uh, uh, Mikey, you want to go first? If you have you got them ready? Uh, yeah, I'm just George. You go first, mate. But yeah, I'm pretty much ready. <laughs> right, just getting my <laughs> ladder up. Excellent. Okay, so I think that the the top four it, it will. I, I'm, I'm predicting uh, City uh, to win it uh, again. Yep. Um, Arsenal to, to keep knocking on that door at second. Uh, mm-hmm. Man U to come third just to keep keep the Ten Hag consistency train rolling on. And, and then Chelsea to sneak in fourth. Um, Solid. Top, 
top scorer. I think I've got um, the, the non Harlan top scorer is. <laughs> We're doing non Harlan's. Uh, oh we doing non Harlan's. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, this is a bold thing to say, but I think all fantasy teams should be their non Harlan leagues. So I'm just throwing it out there. Well, Harland is at 85 percentage uh, percent yeah. ownership in fantasy at the moment. Like it's so you just, may as well just it, have zero. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Non-Harland um, leagues pushing who, for who it. Did you, sorry, who did you say your uh, second after Harland will be? It'll be uh, Mo Salah. Yeah, he's just Ooh, penciling in for his, you know, 25, 30, 30 goals. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, in terms of uh, one to watch or my boy Tommy, it's it's got to mm-hmm. be uh, Nicholas Jackson from uh, Chelsea's new signing from Villarreal. Ooh. He's been bossing it in the preseason. No one had heard of him when we bought him. I hadn't heard of him. He'd played about 15 games, but he's looked <laughs> really good. He's looked really good, sharp, um, good physical presence. And, you know, keep, <clears> keep an eye on him because he'll be starting against uh, Liverpool next week. No doubt Oof. about that. Uh, who's getting relegated alongside Luton? Yeah, that, that's a that's a tough one. I, I think I think we've got we're going to have to probably put. Um, so yeah, we all have Luton, and um, I think maybe uh, Wolves this season, Tommy. That's that's a bit of my my left field call. I think they've been you know just chugging along a little bit, and and you know the, the influx of Portuguese guys is is sort of running out a little bit. In terms of you know Neves going, um, you know Jimenez, Joao, uh, Joao Mourinho as well. Yeah, going Jimenez has Two been sold losses. to Fulham. Um, you know Lopetegui's still there, but he he was sort of touch and go whether he could actually stay. So I think I think I'm going to say the 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 the, the Wolves Mendes train is going to run out. And third, ah, that's a tough one. See, you, you you've got to you've got to really. Oh, I, I'm going to say Crystal Palace. I don't want to, but it, Zaha going, Hodgson, you know, they just they, they just don't do enough for me. So I'm throwing Palace in there, Tommy. Interesting. I uh, I actually don't think Wolves to get to go down is actually such a, a terrible call. I've got them going down as well. I, I 100% Ooh. think that they are in big trouble. Wow. Um, even though I really think Lopetegui did a great job, like just He's a good manager, sort of obviously. Yeah, I agree. I think he I think he did a great job last year. I just think that they are going to struggle with how many how many quality players have left, um, yeah. and I I don't know like they're, they're not signing great replacements so. Um, uh, all right, and you think Crystal Palace? Crystal Palace. I think that is a big call, though. That you think Crystal Palace will go down. That's the one I agree with. But um, I'll leave that goals, there for Tommy, now. Goals, goals. Where are the goals coming uh, from? Nicholas, Nicholas Jackson, is it? Yes. Is that we? You, that's your boy. That's my boy. Okay. All right. Um, you got a player of the season as well. Okay, yeah, I do, Tommy. If you if, if you if you want me to throw it in, now I think Odegaard, Odegaard from Arsenal. I just Ooh. think he's, uh, I think he's class and uh, you know captaining. He's a he's a good captain as well. So if Arsenal are going to go nice. close, it's going to be uh, it's going to be through him. The Galactico comes good. Yeah, just a few years too late. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mikey. What about you? Uh, run us through who you think your your champions and top four are going to yeah. be. Well, the champions, again, we, we've touched on this earlier, Manchester City, they're just 
too far gone now. Now they're even European champions. So I, it's just a bit a bit boring there. Um, second, I'm, I'm unsure who's going to get second really, but I think it'll be Man United or Arsenal, depending on how all the new signings with Arsenal kind of mix in. Mm-hmm. Um, and for wrapping up fourth, I've put Chelsea on the bounce back. I think Chelsea will get the last place in the four. Okay. Um, for relegation, um, Luton, surprise, surprise, is at the bottom of my list. Yep. Um, Sheffield and Everton. I reckon Ooh, Everton, Everton were, they, they played with fire a bit too close last season, and I think they may go down this season. Evan are really striking me like a team that's going to finish 17th this year. Like, you know, they, <laughs> who they've recruited. You, you think that Sean Dyche, it's, it's hard to see a Sean Dyche team with money getting relegated, right? Like, I'm just not sure if I, I see it happening. But um, uh, so Luton, Sheffield United and Everton. I do think Everton are definitely going to be thereabouts because like yeah. just as a squad, they are a bunch of battlers. Yeah, and they've been um, like hanging on by a thread for like mm, how many seasons yeah. now? So this, unless, this season's been for so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, exactly. Um, uh, who, who's your top scorer? Well, Harland. But if we are going no Harland, um, maybe Gabi Jesus if he stays injury free was on fire at the start of last season. Um, Big call. If Big call. Harry Kane doesn't go to Bavaria. Who knows? Maybe, but mm-hmm. if we are going Harland, it's Harland. <laughs> <laughs> We're going non-Harland. It has to be everything yeah. in the league has to be non-Harland. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, um, I need your your player of the season and who is your boy? Well, player of the season again. If we're going Harland, it's Harland. If we're going no Harland, this could be the exact same tale as my um as my top scorer there. But I, I actually quite. Rate um, George's call of Odegaard. I reckon a big step up for him this season. Good call. Um, and my boy, I don't know if I can claim it because he had a few appearances last season, but um, Man United, a teenage winger, um, Alejandro Gun Acho, I butchered his Gunacho, name. There. Yeah. No, no, um, you're pretty close. But I think that's a pretty solid shout as well. And given yeah. his age, I think that is perfectly fine as, as a boy. Yeah, yes, yeah. Okay. Qualify. All right. That's a good yeah, I think nice definitely. that's a very good one. Yeah, he came on, scored a winner against Fulham, uh, scored in Europe. I think that's a really good sign for a young player that if you're already playing with that confidence, you know, I think he'll feature a lot more this season and I think he'll be a very exciting one to watch. Good good shout, good shout. Yeah. Um, finally, boys, I think uh, I think you've kind of thrown it out there kind of indirectly like George with... Uh, with Wolves to go down and uh, and Mikey as well. I think you, you threw out a pretty bold prediction as well. But do, do either of you have a a, a specific bold prediction, uh, one that you haven't mentioned already or...? Oh, that I haven't mentioned already. Um, well, I'll just I'll reiterate that um, Luton will not win a game. Um, I, I'm pretty happy to take that as your bold prediction, yeah, okay. that, that, um, unless you've got something else specifically that you wanted to that you wanted to do. George, uh, what about you, mate? You got one? If you if you don't, I'm happy to oh, jump in one, and, and throw me, one out. Worry. Um, Mbappe on loan to a Premier League team for one year. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Whoa, that's good. That, that is good. That, that is big bold. That is bold. Um, Can you go bolder and? Huge. 
tell us which team? Oh, I think big, the big Todd, the Todd father's yeah. working on something. <laughs> so. Todd father. Nice. That would be great. Look, it, it would be it would be something a little bit different for for the prem. Uh, I mean, Harland was probably one of the first players that's been really you know world class that's gone to the prem over you know Real Madrid or something like that. So it's like it, Tommy. It's like an A League A League sort of guest player signing. What about yeah. the marquee, the David Villa style oh ten God. game guesting? Ten game was it? Well, I'm still waiting for the it rest. Was of eight. Them. Yeah, it was eight <laughs> yeah. three Where, minus five. Where's... Does that mean he's only going to play like four games like David Villa did? <laughs> I'd still pay to see it. It's fine. He'll come back, man. I'll get him on a Zimmer frame. He'll come back. <laughs> <that time. laughs> oh, dear. All righty. Uh, thanks, boys. Uh, appreciate you jumping on the line today. Uh, next up, we're going to be joined by Damo and Colby to chat more predictions. Hello and welcome back to More Than a Game, a podcast about the A-League, Premier League and more. Uh, we are back for part two of our Premier League season preview pod this morning. Uh, this time uh, I'm joined by Damon Colby. Damo, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, mate. Uh, I'm probably in a better state than you, even though I am <laughs> also sleep deprived. But uh, no, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm regretting some decisions I made last night. I'll put it to you that way. Uh, I think listeners Colby... will be noticing a, a change in the quality of your voice, Tommy. Can you just confirm to the listeners you you haven't in fact changed microphones or audio setups, um, but rather it's the it's the it's the inputs earlier in the chain that are causing this. <laughs> you, you, it's more more the outputs in the in the chain uh, <laughs> outputs uh, at the karaoke microphone. Uh, it's, it's a different microphone to the podcast microphone and. Uh, it, it just uh, plays havoc with my voice. So, uh, <laughs> and Colby, how are you doing this morning, mate? I'm good, mate. Well slept, ready to go, fresh. Yeah, feeling fresh, feeling very fresh. Guess that makes one of us. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, boys, let's uh, let's hook in, shall we? We've got plenty to discuss um, today on the pod. Uh, let's let's start with probably the maybe this is an easy one. Um, last year, we saw Arsenal go um, very well in the season, pushed City all of the way, made for one of the most uh, most interesting uh, and most competitive title challenges of the last last couple of years. Um, do you guys think anyone can push City again, or are City going to run away with the title and uh, be to be a, an uncompetitive title chase this year? Colby, oh, I think. City can be pushed again, but the question is whether the city could be caught. Um, I mean, it's all, you know, as as it was last season, the season before, it's all on them to slip up um, because you have to pretty much be perfect to catch them. I think Arsenal can be one of those teams to push them again. Last season, obviously, we saw them fade late. There were, there were key injuries, obviously, that coincided with that late fade. Um, they've strengthened there with Timber. Um, they strengthen further up the spine with your boy Decky Rice, Tommy, um, and Kai Havertz in attack. There's still a there's still a player in there somewhere, and I think he's more likely to come out at Arsenal than he would would have been at um, the shambles that was Chelsea of the past few seasons. So um, I think Arsenal have have done the right things, and they've they've um, given themselves the best possibility to be um, pushing on. Damo, do you agree or disagree with any of that? Yeah, definitely. I think Arsenal the you know, on paper, look like the the one team that can really push City this season. But 
Again, Arsenal, we've seen many times over the past decade or so that under a lot of pressure, Arsenal can really fold. And there's a lot of pressure on Arsenal to uh, perform this year. They've spent a lot of money and um, they had a good season last year. And can they back it up, I guess? There's a lot of players in that team that themselves are sort of facing a second season syndrome. Of A few of them had a breakout year. And can they keep up the same level? Can the team keep up the same level? I actually don't think the league's going to be as close as a lot of people do. I think City will probably run away with it much more than they did last year. And, excuse me. Even City are going through a bit of a, a bit of a regeneration though, like with, with Mares and Gunuan both, both leaving. It means that I think they're likely to see a, a bit of a change over this year. So I, I don't know. I, I wonder if it like, it's still hard to see Pep's um, Pep City being caught in my opinion, but it, it wouldn't shock me if it is um, it is a little bit closer, in, just in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, they cleared um, out the dead wood, haven't they, Tommy? <laughs> I it totally skipped me by that Maris was 32. I was like, what do you mean? Isn't he just 29? Like, isn't he 28 or 29? Anyway. He'd been at um, City for, what, six years or something? Yeah, he'd been there a long time. Anyway. Um, boys, if, if the title race is pretty much like uh, done before it's even kicked off, um, do you guys think that top four is more interesting uh, than the actual title this year? More of a relegation, man, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> top four, um, to- man. It, look, I think I think it is pretty interesting. There's a there's more teams than ever. I think vying for the top four. Um, because more teams than ever expect they, they should get top four. Now Newcastle are up there. Um, Spurs are probably the one that uh, are ways away from everyone else at the moment of, of reaching that top four. But, you know, we've seen what Ange can do with, with no expectations um, and, and, and delivering. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Uh, Chelsea are obviously going to be back. They've got no European football to contend with as well. They've got a pretty clear schedule and um, big Todd spent a lot of money. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, 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 it's very tough to predict top four. Um, boys, if uh, is there anyone outside of that sort of existing uh, sort of six who you think might uh, make a run at top four? Um, last year we saw Brighton, Aston Villa, obviously Newcastle break into that uh, top top six as well. Probably Villa, Tommy, I think, um, if their trajectory from last season continues, um, they'd be that'd be my pick for the uh, an outsider to sort of go close. Thank you for th- uh, for bringing up Aston Villa because I-, I was sort of quietly big on Aston Villa and Unai Emery last season. And look, I'm, I'm going early. My bold prediction for the pod this year is that Aston Villa are going to make top four. I think... They have recruited exceptionally well. They were just crazy good in the back half of last year. And um, I, I think uh, not only have they recruited well, but they haven't lost any key players either. So, like, they are, they are, uh, they've expanded their squad as well, heading into a European campaign. And I just see them doing, like, there's no negatives about their, their season. Um, or, well, Lopetegui's like got a preseason so. as well. He didn't get a preseason last year. He just came in midway through, didn't he? Like, it, you know, are you getting the Spanish managers confused? Oh, did I say Lopetegui? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Emery. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, those two are interchangeable in my head. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening. 
evening. Yeah, I, I don't know what um, uh, Lopetegui's sort of memeable. <laughs> I don't know what Lopetegui's is. doing at Villa. Um, yeah, no, but I think... We should get back to Wolves and then have a... Quality, have a... quality um, Spanish manager <laughs> with the preseason. So I think that makes a difference too. Yeah, fair enough. Um, boys, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh We've mentioned, um, I guess, briefly about Spurs uh, and Chelsea's um, poor seasons from last year. Liverpool also were a little bit underwhelming as well with their their campaign last year. Who do you think is is going to have the best sort of bounce back campaign this this season out of those three, or or another candidate? I think um, I sort of mentioned that before. Chelsea, to me, stand out. They've got no. They've got a pretty clear schedule. They've recruited pretty well. They've cleared out a lot of dead dead wood, um, a bit of a rebuild sort of going on there. And uh, Pochettino in, um, their, their new striker, Nico Jackson, I think his name is, has looked really impressive in the, in the preseason. Um, I saw someone on Twitter uh, make a comparison to him as like half Diego Costa, half Didier Drogba, and I thought – I uh, haven't seen him play much, but that's uh, that's high raps on a young man Huge. that's uh, not scored that many goals. So, um, but yeah, he seems to really have. Uh, he's, got, he's got he's got the dog in him, as uh, as we like <laughs> to say on the pod. Uh, but look, Damo, before you go any more about uh, 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 Jackson, I, I do want just want to throw it out there that George has already claimed him as as his boy. So uh, yeah, I, I I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> Although uh, I do feel somewhat um, uh, a bit apprehensive that he's, uh, I think he was signed for something like 40 million or 50 million or something from uh, like the team that was it two years ago, won the, uh, the Europa League. So like he's, he's hardly like an 18 year old guy who's making his, his first starts in, in European, in, in professional football. So just want to throw that out. It's a good point. Uh, Colby, what do you think, mate? Uh, who, who's going to have the best bounce back season? Um, well, firstly, Tommy, I just want to take slight umbrage um, with Ooh. Liverpool being thrown in this this basket. I mean, they finished fifth. They did have a they did have a slightly disappointing season by their own standards, but I don't think it's anything they need to necessarily bounce back from. Um, but I think I they're agree. losing I agree their captain, that- mate. Oh, Can we, are we talking about this on the pod? <laughs> um, I, 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 while we're talking about baskets, uh, I think uh, Liverpool were best described as a basket case for most of last season. So, <laughs> not going to bite. Um, but I mean, Chelsea, Chelsea that's on bait. numbers, right? They, they, that's bait. They finished twelfth. Um, so I mean, they've got the they've got the, um, the the lowest base to come off there. Tottenham eight. That is Tottenham's worst season in I think like a decade or something. I'm going to fact check that for my uh, preview of Tottenham. But <laughs> so they're coming off their, they're coming off a, a really um, poor season from their own standards as well. We don't know what Big Ange will be able to achieve in his first season. Um, but you know we've we've seen what he can do in the past. But yeah, I, I'd have to I'd have to agree with Damo out of those three. I think it, it would probably be Chelsea to have the biggest bounce back. Pochettino is a good manager. I think people aren't probably talking about him enough because um, you know he was really successful with Spurs, getting them to the Champions League final, and um, th- then sort of they had that one season or two where they sort of dropped off a little bit, um, and then he went off to Paris and couldn't really do much with PSG. So 
Um, but that's, I don't think that's as much on him as it is on that hugely dysfunctional dressing room at, P- at PSG. So um, I think people sort of forgot about him while he was away. Um, so I think, I think they'll be, um, I think they'll be back. We're getting comments in the chat from Sal saying Chelsea going to finish eighth. So I, I wouldn't call that a bounce back, but I mean, maybe it is. Maybe you do see that as a bounce back from 12. <laughs> I mean, it's a bigger bounce back than Liverpool will have. They're not going to go fifth to first, are they? Hey, it might go fifth to fourth. <laughs> and there's just no bounce in, in a wicker basket. So it just have those bouncy properties. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. I, I think pretty much it's been universal across the pod so far that Chelsea, people are expecting Chelsea to have sort of the best response after the last campaign. Uh, so it's it's curious to see Sal pop up into the chat and say that they're going to finish outside the European places. Um, Still got Lukaku on their books though, don't they? Good to agree with that <laughs> trash man. <laughs> Throw him in the wastebasket. He's uh, he's brought the Timberlands and the jeans back out again, Lukaku. <laughs> Man United, Lukaku is back. <laughs> I heard they're going to be a hit in Turin. Um, alrighty, boys. Uh, what has uh, been your favourite or your best transfer of the window to date? And uh, if you've got one, th- feel free to th- feel free to throw out a worst transfer of the window as well. Um, well, I think Declan Rice is the, is the big one in terms of made all the headlines and it really is exactly what Arsenal needed. I think it makes the title race and it makes the Premier League a far more interesting competition. And I know it's much to your disappointment, Tommy, that, uh, that he's left West Ham and it must be really tricky, but yeah, I I think the excitement of that, it's a big money transfer. I think he's the most expensive English footballer of all time. And I I found that fascinating, the whole saga of Declan Rice leaving. So that for me is probably the most interesting. I think it's a good one for all three, Damo, because the the 105 million pounds, like West Ham has sold high. You look at some of these other clubs that are tried to hold on to their, their crown jewels, um, for so long that they end up getting nothing out of them or they, you know, they, they miss that high point to sell. Look at, look at Wilf Zaha, like um, mm. going off to Galatasaray for free um, when they could have got 80 million for him two seasons ago, uh, selling him to Chelsea or Arsenal or, or one of those clubs. And, and there are other examples of that as well. So I think it's, it's really good business from West Ham as much as um, it'll hurt the club and, and the fans in the short term to see him go. Uh, look, uh, from a from a West Ham fan perspective, I, I think you're exactly right that uh, West Ham have got a pretty good deal out of it, and it's it's now up to them to spend the money, um, but also to spend the money wisely. So, uh, spending the money just at all is proving a bit of a challenge for, for West Ham at the moment. But uh, maybe that could be just a worse transfer. Is that you know we're uh, six days out from the season starting or five days out from the season starting, and West Ham haven't made a signing yet. It, it also feels to me, Tommy, that uh, the the sort of level of player, the caliber of player that West Ham are interested in, is the caliber of player that Saudi Arabia are interested in. And <laughs> you're now you're now com- competing, and it's not a bad thing, right? There's a lot of good players going there from big clubs, but you're competing with just an opposition that you can't compete with anymore at that sort of level of transfer. I think that's a pretty pretty fair point, and like Edson Alvarez is the probably the most um, most noteworthy player that we've been linked with uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks, 
and he's he's coming off a season where Ajax are having like one of their worst seasons in you know, like the last twenty years. Uh, Alvarez was quite highly rated, but um, didn't actually have a particularly good season himself. So it's like, well, um, this this isn't sort of all of the makings for for a great uh, next season for West Ham or for Edson Alvarez or or the Declan Rice money being spent particularly uh, particularly well. But we'll we'll see. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the headlines on me anyway, Declan Rice. But can I throw a few out there? Sure, sure, mate. Um, so I think the um the the Leicester fire sale, um, you know, there's huge value in that. Obviously, James Madison to Tottenham for 40 million, Harvey Barnes to Newcastle for what was it, 39 million or something. Like, you know, huge value in those there. Really Elements, like how much players. did he go to Villa for? Zero. Yeah, that's Three, (laughs) so that's you know huge value there. I don't know whether they're the best, but they deserve to be on the list. As does uh, Alexis McAllister uh, to Liverpool, World Cup winner for thirty-five million. That's um that's pretty insane value too. But like that's that's pretty much all I've got on the best list. The worst list is is far more interesting. Um, and I'll just throw a few names out there. Romeo Beckham to Brentford on an undisclosed. <laughs> I don't know if he'll he won't play, but that's I just thought that's funny. Um, Tommy's boy um, will be really sad to see go. Ashley Barnes leaves Burnley on a free to Norwich. Uh, Tommy, you'll be really sad not to have him in your FPL team. <laughs> so that's that's a really sad one. As I mentioned, Wilf Zaha, you know, like going off, um, you know, sailing off to Galatasaray. Um, Ashley Young to Everton from Villa. Um, great for Villa. Like, I mean, maybe prove me wrong, but gee, that's a that's a sad signing if you're Everton and you just avoided relegation and this is like you've sort of picked me up to the fans. You're picking up a, like an 80-year-old <laughs> Ashley Young. Uh, same same sort of vibe with Johnny Evans back to Man United uh, from Leicester. Like, you know, they definitely got the, the, the worst part of the Leicester fire sale there, even if he was free. But the biggest one for me in worst is, is it's got to be it's got to be Rasmus Hoyland to United uh, for seventy two million for like a twenty year old. He's Oof. he's going to be he's the like da- Damo's called him the Harlan from Wish. I'm calling him the Danish Martial. I've seen the comparison thrown out a lot. Like they paid what seventy million for Martial, sixty million, whatever it was. But Martial yeah. spent like eight years at the club and scored. 190 goals. goals or something ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he, he by the standard that when he signed and everyone thought he was going to be a 30-goal-a-season striker, he never met. But he was still a very good player at Manchester United and a very good servant of the club. Like, I, I think they got their money's worth out of him at, at the time. But, you know, you don't spend $70 million on someone to have a, a coming-off-the-bench striker that scores sort of 12 to 15 goals a year, do you? Yeah, yeah. Or do you these days? You or know, do you, don't, you don't know. Yeah. Boys, I, I wanna... guess you just don't do that when you're looking for the big guy. You're looking for your main striker, and it's sort of like that's the conundrum that United are in. Like they can't really. There's not that you know they obviously they they'd love to have Harry Kane, um, and they you know they they I'm sure they wanted um, Erling Haaland um, when he was available, but um, yeah, they they're just stuck going for these overpriced youth, a bit like Chelsea in that sense as well. Boys, on the topic of uh, Martial, I, I just want to throw it out there that um, Martial's been so bad over the last few years that not even the Saudis want him. Oof. 
<laughs> Boys, one other uh, bad transfer that I want to add, it's uh, Kovacic to, to City. And not from the City perspective, I think they have got an absolute steal. But they they Chelsea only got $30 million for this guy. Like, mm. he's proven Premier League quality. You can see he's a really intelligent player. Uh, I think he's Pepe's going to love this guy. Uh, like, he's versatile, can play in sort of a couple of different sort of um, positions in, in midfield, can do a couple of different jobs. So uh, that, for me, is just one of the – that. Is, that is the worst uh, transfer from a Chelsea perspective. It's so uh, smart were... from City leaving that so late because they knew that Chelsea had to get him off the books, and you know Chelsea needed to you know clear out all of these players. So it's 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 as if Chelsea was relegated, like they they've been pushed into a fire sale themselves. Um, but yeah, like yes, yeah, so smart from from City to swoop in when they did. Very Tommy. Yeah, well, as as bad as that is a move for Chelsea, you, you mentioned before the of, of Gundogan leaving City. I think Kovacic comes in as just as good, if not better, player under Guardiola than Gundogan has been. So it's it's a like for like replacement, really, and a very similar player that just never really kicked off at the Premier League level like he has everywhere else in the world that he's played. Good shout. Boys, uh, moving on to, to kits, uh, we enjoy always enjoy a bit of kit chat here on the pod. Uh, Damo, you got a, a favourite kit or, or a kit that you, you hate uh, so far in the preseason? My favourite kit easily is the uh, the Manchester United away kit, the green and white striking oh. boy. Um, I'm, I absolutely love it. I think that that is probably the standout kit for me. I'm a That's big bait. fan of Sheffield's. Sheffield United's away kit and Sheffield United's third kit. Uh, a bit that plain is, and boring for a lot of people, but they've gone uh, they've gone 90s vintage football fashion vibes, which uh, it screams baggy jeans and a tucked in football jersey for me. <laughs> I agree with the Sheffield one, Sam. I actually love all of Sheffield's kits. So they they'd all be on my best list. Um, the home away and third kits from them. Um, and and love that they haven't got a sponsor on them. I mean, maybe they will. Maybe well, they'll do by there now, is but a in sponsor that photo now. Shoot, they didn't. Oh, yeah, they, okay. they um played played last night in a, in a friendly against Stuttgart, and we've uh, got a new sponsor, CFL Capital or something. So it's just a, oh. a random investment company that's uh, slapped the logo on the front. It doesn't look too bad on the home jersey. Um, it's sort of it, it's the red and white logo, so it fits in with the with the home jersey. But I'm afraid how it's mm. going to look on the uh, on the on the yellow one, unless they change the color of it, or if there's a different sponsor on the yellow one, who knows. Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, but you haven't been able to buy the kits yet without the sponsor, unfortunately. Uh, so Chelsea released their kits sponsorless. Um, That's so smart. When when they went on sale sort of a month ago and you could buy them without a sponsor, Sheffield United didn't, uh, didn't give that opportunity. They released their kits and then said they'll be on sale from the 1st of August, which when they're on sale, we, there was a sponsor already organized. Yeah, because why wouldn't you do that, right? Because like the sponsors don't care like how how many kit sales; they only care that they're going to be on the broadcast for the for the whole season, right? Like, so why wouldn't you just do that? Because presumably, like, there's a huge segment of fans from each club around the world that would love to have a sponsorless kit if they could. I would have bought one if if I could buy it without a sponsor. I probably won't buy one now because I don't want a random investment company that'll go bankrupt in the next <laughs> you know half a dozen years on the front of a jersey. It was like those Socceroos training kits before the 2018 World Cup um, where they were sponsorless and then they um, they got Caltechs on them and a bunch of people bought them before they had Caltechs on them. And, um, yeah, then after that, you could only buy them with the big Caltechs slapped across the front and no, no bueno. Yuck. 
Colby, uh, what are your thoughts on that Liverpool away kit? Love the, it. The quarters. The quarters. Uh, you mean you mean Blackburn? <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> Beautiful. Is, look, every year, like clubs wheel out a, oh, this is an homage to this kit from like whatever year, right? But this kit um, is a, an homage to like a mid-90s away kit um, that mm. Liverpool had, like Robbie Fowler yep. sort of era, right? And I loved this kit at the time because I, I like quarters that, for me, they're up there with, with sashes, right? Um, but this kit, I, I actually think they've done, it's like a really modern like take on on it. And look, yeah, look, I know it's... The 8-bit quarters? Place. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know it's, it's called fashion. I, I, I think it's called like 2005 fashion. <laughs> but that's is, where is we that are, Damo. Yeah, exactly. That's fashion. Back. Yeah. <laughs> that just hits different, doesn't it? Uh, I know. I know it's not to everyone's taste the uh, the interpretation that um, that they've done of this uh, Liverpool kit, but but I really like it. It was it was one of my favourite kits for the year, and uh, yeah. I think it's been a while since I've liked a Liverpool kit, so. Um, I just want to go on the record as well and say that I really like both uh, Crystal Palace's home and away kits. I think they've got the best uh, like overall range of home and away kits. Um, and Damo, you'll like this one as well. Well, actually, no. Based off our conversation yesterday, I know you won't like this. Uh, I, I really <laughs> rate the Sheffield United home kit. I don't like their away or third kit, but I really like their home kit. I've I've had a lot of people say that and Colby, you said it as well, you really like the home kit. It's probably my least favorite of the three. Uh I like mm. them all. I think they're all great kits, but the home kit's probably my least favorite of the three. Um no, but I, no, agree, I agree with that ranking demo. Yeah, that I I'm the same, but I do I do quite like mm. them all. But yeah, I like the away and the much opposed, particular. Much opposed to the uh the kits they had when uh they came back to the Premier League a few years ago, which were horrible. Um I think they've done a really good job with these ones. Yeah, that's like Luton vibes. That kit is, just, I mean, what's going on? You know, you're probably only going to get one season in the Premier League ever and, like, look at your kits. <laughs> Sorry. And Fulham, Fulham home and away, just a train wreck. Oh, what? Hang Disgusting. I, I want to throw it out there. If there's one thing I like about Fulham this year, it's the um, the alternating uh, uh, stripe colours on, on the shoulders. That That's a bit of a throwback to... Like um like mid two thousands when they had like the the non symmetrical pattern going on, and I think I think like after that FIFA or the Premier League brought in a rule that like it had to be symmetrical after that. You remember how it had like the the the, the slash across one shoulder? Yeah, yeah. I mean, your kits are black. Your colours are black and white. Like, how hard is it to make that look bad? Yet they still somehow achieve it. And the pink, uh, the pink one. Uh, you know, I'm a fan of a, of a of a pink alternate kit, but that just looks like a training shirt, and it's uh, oh no. So you are firmly in Oppenheimer camp over Barbie, is is that, <laughs> is that it? Yeah, I don't like the full and Barbie kit. No, no way. I'm sure. all about the all about the, uh, the the Oppenheimer kits. I don't know who has those. Probably Luton. <laughs> Um, if there's one weird thing this year, and I don't think this is sort of exclusive to the Premier League, it's that there's a bunch of teams that look like they're wearing a Watford kit. Like, um, I think it's Nottingham Forest who have like a yellow and black sort of half kit. Like one half is is black, one half is yellow. Mm. And like, that's that's an odd, oddly specific to Watford look in my mind. Um, Newcastle third that- is a bit Watford, um, Watford away or Watford third sort of vibe. Yeah, and, and just like there's a bunch of jerseys that I looked at this year and went, that looks like a Watford kit. Like, 
why is there so many teams with a Watford kit this year? Can, I think we just miss. We... I think we're just looking for what we want to see. We just miss Watford on this pod. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, can we quickly mention that um, Newcastle have brought the Saudi Arabia home jersey in as their oh, away jersey oh, again? Yeah, rip. <laughs> <laughs> I love Thanks, how Newcastle hate haven't had a green green jersey for forever. And all of a sudden, yeah. now they've got exactly the same kit as the Saudi Arabia home kit as their away yeah. kit. What a coincidence. Disgusting. Fashion. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Bur- Burnley away's big Watford vibes too. And the, the W sponsors, just like, just it's just triggering something in my brain. It's not a dub. <laughs> That's an L. <laughs> it's a dub. Uh, but yeah, no, love it. Boys, before we get into, you know, uh, rapid fire predictions um, for, you know, top four relegated, so so forth, uh, please roll out who your boy is. Joel Pedro. Go first. Do I want to go first? Uh, look, I, my boy was going to be Iliman and Jai, but that's a saga I'll talk about in my uh, preview of Sheffield United. Um, so, yeah, look, I think my boy this year is going to be uh, Timber from Arsenal. Uh, I've got a mate who's a big Ajax fan who's really, really high on uh, on Timber. Says he's better than Saliba. Uh, so uh, well, let's wait and see. Huge. I just can't. Um, I just can't wait for him to get like pushed over and someone to be like yelling Timber as he goes down. No. <laughs> <laughs> Got a long way to fall. He's a big man. Yeah. <laughs> Kobe, you will be gone, Joel Pedro. Yeah, I'm still be gone, Joel Pedro. Yep, he's uh, he's joined to Brighton and Hove Albion from Watford. Um, you know, I think you know they've they've made a bit of space in their midfield. Obviously, um, selling a few players, so I think he'll hopefully get game time. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing my boy back in the Premier League. Just a bit more Watford for the Prem. Uh, all right, boys. I got a couple of got a couple of boys as well. I got uh, Divin Mubama for, for West Ham, eighteen year old striker. He's pretty much like a Mikael Antonio regen. Uh, Elliot Anderson, wide player at Newcastle. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets uh, some some good minutes this year, and I, I think he could be a bit of a breakout star, even amongst sort of some of the wide players that they've got there at Newcastle. Um, and this one is a bit of a throwback to a, a football manager save of mine from a couple of years ago when I was uh, managing Coventry in the in the championship, and that's uh, Ryan Giles at Luton. He got uh, 11 assists last year uh, for, for Borough in uh, the championship uh, from fullback, so wouldn't be shocked to see uh, him uh, with a few contributions this year for Luton, you know, assuming that they score any goals and they don't just lose 10 nil every game, right? Um, and a bit of a, a left-field choice for a boy as well, and that's Unai Emery because mm-hmm. I've already said that I'm going big on on Aston Villa this year. I, I'm basically uh, claiming Unai Emery as my boy, even though he's, he's very, very uh, old to be a boy. Do you mean Julian Lopetegui or... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, boys. Let's uh, let's wrap this up then, shall we? Rapid fire. Who who are your champions? Top four uh, and relegated. Bobby. Um, Champion City. Top four. I haven't decided the order yet, but it will include Arsenal, Liverpool, and Man United. Mm-hmm. Um, relegated. Luton, Sheffield, and Crystal Palace. Oh, yep, yep. Not the first person to have Crystal Palace going down, but interesting. Uh, Damo? City, I've got as champions. Um, top four, I've got Chelsea, Arsenal, and Manchester United. 
not 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 necessarily in that order. Although I do believe Man United will be fourth. Um, then rele- relegated. I've got Luton bottom, Sheffield United next, and then Fulham. Yeah, interesting because like yeah. Fulham season has the potential to completely go off the rails, right? Like, yeah, um, Mitrovic yeah. wants to leave. Um, Palinio's uh, injured. Uh, who else? William has said that he's agreed to a deal, but like Fulham are refusing to sell. Well, he's him. gone. Well, no, Isn't Fulham apparently no Fulham apparently like refusing to to agree to a deal. Like, so he's, he's yeah, staying right. Unless, unless Fulham agree to a deal. Um, and there was one other as well. No, that might be it. Um, yeah, that was it. Um, all right. For me, uh, City champions, uh, joining them in the top four, Man United, Chelsea, and Aston Villa. Uh, yep, I'm saying Aston Villa to make top four. You, uh, you're just uh, down on us. Like, you just don't like Arsenal because of the Decky Rice situation, so you're not including them in the party? Look, uh, it's interesting you mentioned that because I've been watching... Disrespect, like, Tommy. <laughs> I've I've been watching Arsenal or sort of following Arsenal or following Declan Rice's um, progress at Arsenal, and you're seeing like there are there are clear strengths and weaknesses with Declan Rice, and his his build his ability in sort of building up in a possession heavy team. We saw it at England a little bit um, at the Euros, I think two years ago. You saw that it wasn't always playing to Declan Rice's strengths. Like Declan wants to play and he excels in a transition heavy uh, sort of, sort of team. So I've seen a lot of Arsenal fans be really frustrated with Declan Rice. So it's, it's kind of be really interesting to watch. Um, but yeah, so Aston Villa, in my opinion, not Arsenal in the top four. Um, relegated Luton, Sheffield United and Wolves. Yep, I'm I'm big on on one Spanish manager, and I think Lopetegui, not through his own fault, but just because Wolves are a basket case, I, I wouldn't be shocked if if uh, Lopetegui gets sacked by Christmas time, just because he's got nothing to work with at at, um, at Wolves. That was sort um, of the vibe, Tommy. One of your questions, which we we didn't have time to get to, but you know who you think will be the biggest underachievers, Chelsea or Leicester. My response to that was going to be, I, I think, you know, we will see another like mid-table team drop rather like a stable mid-table team, just completely, you know, the bottom fall out like a Leicester more likely than a big team. And I was thinking, mm. yeah, it's either going to be Palace or Wolves as well. So it's not a bad shout. Thanks, man. Uh, Sheffield or boys, United uh, are a big club. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, just to wrap things up then, uh, give us your, your top scorer and if you think it's going to be Harland, who your second top scorer is going to be, uh, your player of the season uh, and most clean sheets. Uh, Colby? Uh, second top scorer is going to be Darwin Nunez. Oof. Uh, the man's firing. Um, what was were the other ones? Most Hot clean sheets. Player of the season. Mm-hmm. Oh, player of the season. Um, oof. I mean, it's it's gonna if it's not if it's not uh, like a top scorer um, player of the season award for Haaland, it's gonna be another City player. It's probably gonna be a Grealish. Oh yeah, interesting. Nice. He really sort of came um, into his own last year, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he did. He finally, um, after all that money they spent on him. And- and golden glove slash uh, most clean most clean sheets. Mm. You know, it could. Oof. 
it could be it could be Ramsdale. Like as much as as much as um, you know, he's got a mistake or two in him. Like he's got a pretty like if, if that defense stands up in front of him. Are you saying that that'll be Ramsdale slash Raya or just Ramsdale? Oh, oh yeah, I was that's, just about to say that too, as well. Yeah. I, I would have gone for one or the other if I didn't think they were competing with uh, with competing with, blow up with each other having for a two spot. number ones. Yeah, that 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 could hugely blow up. But I mean, you know, so a lot of things have to go right for that to come off. Damo, what about you, mate? Top scorer, or player of the season, most clean sheets. Um, I'm going top scorer Harry Kane to score more than Haaland. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, Germany. Germany. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think he'll stay and I think he'll he'll score a lot of goals. Um, I do think Spurs will still be not up to the level of anywhere near the top four. But uh, as we've seen when they're not great, they're very heavily reliant on Kane's goals. And I think Kane's goals will carry them at least to a you know semi-respectable finish to, for Ange to keep his job. So, you know, another 30-goal season for Kane is not a stretch. And I think seeing Haaland back it up might be more of a stretch than seeing Kane score 30 goals again. So uh, Kane to be the leading goal scorer. Um, Player of the year, I'm going to go with uh, probably a – it's a really tough one, isn't it? Because like you said, Colby, if it's not the person who scores the most goals, it's usually someone from the team that wins the league. And got City winning the league. So Yeah, yeah, I've got City winning the league. And, um, you know, it's hard to go past like a – a De Bruyne or a, or a Grealish or so, someone in that midfield um, from City. So, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. If it's not Kane, it'll be it'll be someone from City's midfield. Um, and then uh, most clean sheets. Oh, it's a tough one. Um, you know what? I might go. Uh, I was I was thinking about the Ramsdale option as well, but then threw in throw in. Uh, Raya there, and it seems like Ramsdale might not play every week. Mm. Um, you might have to go with um, Edison. Safe choice, safe choice, boys. Um, for for me, I've gone uh, Ollie Watkins for top scorer after Harland. Um, uh, play the team. You really years. need to calm down on this Villa hype. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I get it, but yeah. I don't get that. <laughs> Um, and I'm look. I'm I'm big all across the board on Villa, right? Um, player of the season for me is either going to be Bruno Fernandez or Saka. Uh, and most clean sheets uh, for me is going to be Anana. I think uh, he's going to be a bit of a transformation. Oh, no, no. Um, <laughs> what's the name? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Anana. I think is a bit of a transformational sign. Uh, Maybe if he stays on his line, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> didn't Ange say once that he doesn't care, or it was either Ange or Pep that said, Yeah, it was Ange. Care, didn't care if a player got chipped from halfway because the chances of that actually coming off are like, you know, one, one in a million or, or whatever. And so, um, yeah, he, he, he didn't care. He wasn't fussed about that, um, which I thought is interesting given that that was, that was, geez, what? It was probably close to 10 years ago now. It was when um, Federici got chipped off his line. He was standing pretty much on the on the halfway on the circle at the middle of the pitch, and um, it was in the Ange uh, testimonial friendly against Greece. <laughs> Boys, uh, all right. Now uh, I'm not sure if either you, either of you have got a bold prediction bottled up that you you want to get out before we we finish up the pod. Um, if either of you have one now that you haven't already said, uh, now is your opportunity. Damo Colby. Oh, 
Bold prediction, uh, Ten Hag gets sacked. Ooh, that is bold. Ooh. I'm. Uh, that's, yeah, very bold in my opinion. Uh, Colby, you got one that you've been bottling up or are you, you all out? Nothing I'm bottling up. I, 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 the most bold prediction I think so far was that Chelsea, uh, Crystal Palace were going to go down. Let's say, um, they'll, they'll give him, bring someone in. I'm not sure what happened then. Uh, <laughs> all right. That um, I think that pretty much wraps things up for for now. Um, next up, we'll be uh, running through team by team uh, season previews um, as we normally do on the pod. Arsenal, are the Gunners the real deal? They're already Community Shield champions. Can they build on that momentum? Runners up last season, finishing five points behind Manchester City arguably one of the greatest teams the Premier League has ever seen. They ran out of steam, though. Can they find improvement under Mikel Arteta? Well, the squad's definitely improved. Kai Havertz coming in, Declan Rice, the big signing from West Ham, and Durian Timber in defence. Will it be enough? Last year, they struggled for depth at certain points, especially with injuries to Gabriel Jesus and William Saliva leaving big holes. Can Eddie and Nketiah cover... Gabriel Jesus, or will Kai Havertz step in up front? Durian Timber, the flexible, versatile defender, can probably step in in the case of injuries in defence. Will it be enough? They've also lost their spiritual leader, Granit Xhaka. Will that hole be able to be filled by the new midfield of Havertz, Rice and Odegaard? Trossard last year was stepping in was very effective, as well as the January signing, Jorginho. Odegaard and Saka are the men. Can they carry the Gunners to glory? Will the Champions League be a distraction? Can the Gunners go all the way? It remains to be seen, but I think they'll go very close. Hello guys, I'm going to apologise immediately at the top of this for the change in energy. I'm currently recording this in the middle of the night in a stairwell in London because everyone that I'm currently staying with is asleep. And I need to do these previews for you guys. So here we go. I'm going to jump straight into it with Aston Villa. Now Aston Villa, um, it's going to be the first full season for Unai Emery in charge of the villains. Um, he of course took over from Steven Gerrard in November in last season. And took Aston Villa all the way to 7th. Which I think um, surpasses the expectations of... Absolutely everybody in concerns to Aston Villa. They're going to be playing European football. It's going to be the first time they've played in Europe since 2010-2011 when they were in a playoff for the Europa League, which they lost. They've had a fairly good pre-season. Um, they defeated Lazio at Fulham and Valencia, which I think puts them in um, good standing for the start of the season. As far as the ins go, um, they've brought in a handful of players like um, Musa Daibi from Bayer Leverkusen, Pau Torres from Villarreal, uh, Yuri Telman jumping off from Leicester City, and Rico Richards, a uh, 19-year-old from West Brom. As far as the outs go, there's, there's not much to speak of. There's um, Wesley left, there's Ashley Young, who's left on the free to Everton, but there were no, there were no real outs. Um, I think a good way to put it is when I was looking at the Wikipedia for Aston Villa and I was looking at the outs, 
I think a majority of the outs didn't have Wikipedia hyperlinks, which I think tells you a lot about how Aston Villa have gone about their business this season. Uh, they've they've gone to retain a bulk of that squad, and I think that's going to serve them very well. I think things to be excited about this season. I think everything. I think the fact that we're going to have a full season of Emery. I think the fact that there's going to be European football um, and a team that just hasn't been weakened. There's, I think the only the only way Aston Villa are going is up. I think one thing to be nervous about will be that new demand of playing in Europe as well as their domestic commitments. Um, one to watch will be, I mean, an obvious one here is um, going to be Ollie Watkins, who was crucial for Villa last season, scoring 15. Um, 15 of the goals last season, second place was six. Like, he's, he's, he's going to be... Huge for Villa, um, and I expect him to pick off, pick up from where he left off. I think a successful season for Villa would be to match what they did last season. A great season would be pushing back to re-enter Uno's favourite competition, the UEFA Emery League. I'm going to back them, and I'm going to predict that they will finish seventh in the kit games. Now. I think I'm not sure where this is placed in the podcast. We did touch on it. They've got a weird kit in the way where it's Tommy said in the pod earlier. It's um, I think it's West Ham that are wearing a Villa kit. Villa are wearing a Burnley kit, and Burnley are wearing a West Ham kit. And uh, you can you can see that by looking at it. They had a bit of trouble with the um, announcing a controversial sponsor and I'm not sure what the deal is there currently but I'm sure that will get wrapped up, it's a fine passable kit but the only big thing to note there is a change of badge Aston Villa have now got what I can only describe as a Chelsea badge it's um, a circular logo with a rampant lion in the middle it's just a Chelsea logo in claret and blue um, but who knows, like all these things, I think they'll grow on us. So that is Aston Villa. Bournemouth season preview. The cherries are looking up. A statement summer. Quite the off-season of upheaval. Finishing 15th last year, they got off to a nervous start, sacking Scott Parker after three games. Gary O'Neill came in and steadied the ship and managed to keep them up. Interestingly, O'Neill was let go over the summer, and Doni Iraola, the Basque manager formerly of Raul Vallecano, coming in. Quite an exciting statement signing. His CV's stacked with wins against Real Madrid and Barcelona. He's a disciple of Marcelo Bielsa, who thinks the attack is the best form of defence and likely will line up with a 4-2-3-1. Speaking of defence... Bournemouth had the worst defensive record aside from Leeds and Southampton in the Premier League. So that's one to watch, whether they can improve that or whether they'll rely on the high-pressing game set by the manager. Big outs for Bournemouth, other than Gary O'Neill, Jefferson Lerma, the midfield stalwart. They'll be relying on Philip Billings' drive in the midfield and Dom Solanke up front for goals. Things to be excited about. David Brooks coming back after two years. The other thing that might have been a little bit under the radar is the £150 million spent in the year on transfers. 
this summer statement signings. Uh, Milos Kerkes, the Hungarian left-back from Lazio, and Justin Klivert coming in up front or on the wing. Exciting times for the Cherries. Tommy here previewing Brentford now. Uh, so Brentford have had a pretty quiet off-season after a pretty respectable ninth-place finish last year. Um, their off-season has been uh, pretty quiet. They put in a couple of players, Nathan Collins from uh, from Wolves to 20 million, which is a pretty solid pickup. Um, but otherwise, really, the only other notable in is Kevin Shade, Shard, Shade, uh, a, a player from attacking player from Freiburg in Germany. So. Um, yeah, the only major out has also been Pontus uh, Janssen. Uh, he's gone back to, I think, to Sweden. Um, so, yeah, not a lot of ins or outs. Uh, but look, Ivan Tony is the big out. Um, his gambling ban means that he's going to be out until at least mid-January. So he basically misses the first half of the season. Um, fans will be excited about just being in the Premier League again um, and with no major ins or outs um, they'd be pretty confident of, of steering well clear of relegation again uh, whether or not they'll hit the, the heights of ninth again not quite sure um, fans will be nervous about holding on to David Raya though um, both Man United and Arsenal have coveted him um, and so uh, also I do wonder how they're going to go for goals um, they've got um, new player Kevin Shade, uh, Brian and Burma, uh, Joe Vissa, and also Ke- uh, Keen Lewis Potter. Um, and fans will be wondering whether or not they can fill the void left by Ivan Tony. Um, although Brentford fans, I think, would be pretty confident that um, Thomas Frank will be able to find some creative solutions. So look, I'm, pretty, uh, I'm predicting a, uh, a mid-table finish again. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they're able to, to do well in some of the cups uh, or one of the cups as well. Um, I'm predicting a 10th place finish. Uh, curiously, the, ga- uh, the the gambling sponsor Hollywood Bets has been retained uh, and also they have uh, literally kept the same jersey as last year. So um, look, that's kind of good that they've kept the jersey, but... Um, don't love the idea that they're also promoting gambling whilst they're suspending one of their players for gambling. So, yeah, interesting times. But, look, promising season, I think, coming up for, for Brentford. Hello, guys. I'm back again. Um, keeping the vibes up, keeping the energy, high tempo. Um, and I'm going to jump in to the preview for Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, Brighton, I feel, uh, a very similar club in terms of this preview to Aston Villa, who I previewed last. Um, I think Brighton are, again, another team that surpassed every expectation that we could have put in front of them. Um, they finished um, sixth last season. They made the semi-final of the FA Cup. It was a really, really positive season. And that was, let's not forget, a season where their manager got poached mid-season and they got better. Now, again, that's um, Robert De Zabri. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be his first full season. So again, another another Villa kind of um, parallel there. But um, I th- it's going to be a very exciting season. It's going to be Brighton's first ever entry into the Europa League. Um, and that, of course, will have its own challenges, um, as I'll touch on in a bit. Um, we've had a few ins for Brighton. Jao Pedro is joining from Watford. Mahoud Dawood from 
um, Borussia Dortmund, Bart Verbruggen, who's a 20-year-old goalkeeper, and Igor Julio. Um, there's a few outs. Um, I'd say the main ones are Robert Sanchez to Chelsea, and the huge, huge out for Brighton, which could really be a make-or-break for the season looking ahead, is um, World Cup winner Alexis McAllister is going to Merseyside. He's going to Liverpool, and that's going to be a huge loss for them. It was, of course, their top scorer last season, and, yeah, you you, you want to be keeping these players, but, of course, um, it's not always in the hands of the club. Um, but, look, I do expect people like Pascal Gross um, to fill that kind of gap. Um, I think there's going to be a good... There's going to be a good vibe around the um, Amex um, this season. Europa League football, that's going to be good. It's going to be great to be able to look forward as a Brighton fan to being a good team in the league. I think that's something Brighton fans can definitely look to. Um, but yeah, I, will, I would be very nervous about the loss of McAllister. And of course, the fans of the domestic competitions with the Europa League. I also feel there was, um, fans have been a bit nervous about um, whether or not there's a plan B when things don't go right. Let's not forget the loss to Everton last season, the unexpected one. Um, but look, I, I do expect Brighton to find a way and I'm predicting it's not going to be as good a season as last season. I'm predicting them to finish 8th in the league. Now when we jump into kit chat, um, it's pretty stock standard Brighton home kit, yeah, looks like a bit like a Hertha Berlin kit I'd say, but again, looks like that every season I'm going to suppose, nothing exciting to touch on there, but their away number, um, as I touched on, or I'm about to touch on in the pod, in the main pod, I love it, the Western United Sassuolo, um, you know, uh, the black and green stripes of the Western United, it looks really good. It looks really good. I'm not sure that it could just be their home kit, uh, you know, inverted, but it looks quite nice. I reckon it's one of the best um, away kits in the league this season. But yeah, again, nothing much to write home about there. So guys, thank you very much for listening to my Brighton and Hove Albion review. Vincent Company's come in as the manager at Burnley and he's completely transformed the way the team play, the outlook of the team. And, you know, they got over 100 points in the championship last year and the three losses in the season um, up at the first attempt back to the Premier League. Look, it's going to be uh, a big tell them is, is staying up. And um, I think the fans would be, be excited about the new style of football, the way they're playing, the way companies got them playing, his, his belief in what he's building at Burnley. Look, he's turned down job opportunities from... Spurs earlier in uh, last season, and um, I'm sure there's other clubs that were knocking about for him as well. Uh, obviously, trained under, played under Guardiola, and and has a very similar style of management. It seems. Uh, I think they'd be worried about not being able to hold on to you know their their star player from last year. Um, Nathan Teller was on loan from from Southampton and and scored a lot of goals for them last season. He uh, he's gone back to Southampton, um, unfortunately for for Burnley. But they've they've uh, 
Sign Nathan Redmond, who'll bring some Premier League experience to the team. Uh, they've also penned a couple of permanent deals for uh, a couple of young players, one from Manchester City, James Trafford, and uh, Ziki Amdouni, who's a reliable goal scorer. And, um, and hopefully see him score a few goals uh, in the Premier League this year. Uh, but I think the, the real one to watch this season is Josh Cullen. He's, uh, you know, he's in, he's 27, 28, I think this season, uh, never really kicked off for him um, until now, but last year he was undoubtedly one of the players of the season in the championship. And he, I think he's, he's key to, to the way they play football. And, um, and if Burnley are to, to reach any sort of expectations uh, next year in the Premier League, I think they need to try and secure their spot in the league. They'd be looking for that that sort of forty point range, and you know I imagine they'll sort of finish um, in that fourteenth, fifteenth spot. So uh, I think they'll stay up. I think they'll do they'll do well. Uh, having watched a few of their games last year and the way Company's got them playing, um, it's going to be pretty pretty impressive season. Chelsea. The boys from the bridge couldn't have had a worse season last year, sacking two managers, finishing 12th and only scoring 38 goals. What do we have now? New season, new manager, new team. We'll start with the outs. Edward Mendy, Cesar Aspiqueta, Koulibaly, Kante, Kovacic, Mount, Pulisic, Havertz and Ruben Loftus-Cheek, to name a few. Who are the major ins? The exciting forward Christopher Nkunku, Nicholas Jackson, Alex Disassi, and Robert Sanchez thus far. The key questions for Poch, will he be able to pull this new team together in time? Will we be able to sell Romelu Lukaku? Sad news coming out of the bridge today is the Nkunku injury. He'll be missing for a few months after looking so sharp in pre-season. That means can Nicholas Jackson lead the line? He's very inexperienced, but he's shown a lot of promise. The other question is who will partner Enzo Fernandez in midfield? Will it be Moises Caicedo? Chelsea are still negotiating with Brighton and we know how that goes. This year they'll be expecting a hell of a lot from Ben Chilwell and Rhys James. Can Levi Colwell, Mikhailo Mudrik and Noni Madweke step up? It's exciting times. The young players are looking good but it's no guarantee for success. My guess is it will be a really difficult start for Chelsea blending all the new guys in but I think watch out towards the latter end of the season. I think Poch is building something great here and there's a lot of potential. Once Nkunku comes back, I think it's going to be very exciting for Chelsea. Hi boys, Jesse here to preview Crystal Palace. So obviously the biggest news in the off-season has been Wilfred Zaha finally, after years being linked away, has got his move to Galatasaray. And uh, that's obviously left a bit of a hole in the squad, but in saying that, um, with Eze and Olise obviously being uh, prominent and growing into the team, it might be that they've got enough cover in the existing talent pool. Um, other movements, so you've got Jack Butlin, the goalkeeper, obviously he came back from Man United's loan spell. He's actually gone to Rangers now. And Luke Plunge has come back, one of the centre forwards who had been on loan in League One. Um, whether or not they take the plunge remains to be seen, but uh, we'll, we'll see if he ends up in the squad um, come the end of the transfer window. Some of the departures I mentioned before, so Luka Milivojevic and James MacArthur have left, um, but they have signed Jefferson Lerma from Bournemouth, who will provide a bit of steel to that midfield. 
Hodgson has obviously continued. His contract goes until the uh, end of June 2024. So he has returned to the club. Uh, many were wondering if he was just going to be there for to sort of see them through to the end of last season. But he has signed on for another year. So it'll be interesting to see how the squad gels. Um, they've managed to retain most of their squad, but there is plenty of time left in the window. So they may need to bolster a few areas, including up front where... Players like Elise, I mentioned before, continue to be linked elsewhere because they are hot property on the market. So it'll be interesting to see what Crystal Palace deliver. Um, they finished in 11th last year, and I'm probably predicting them to finish in a similar spot if they are able to hold the majority of their squad and keep it settled. Thanks very much. Yeah, look, I think Everton are in a tough spot. Obviously, all of the issues that they had last season... Uh, their financial instability, the the new stadium's coming. They've been sort of circling the drain of relegation for a few years now and and really just survived. Um, look, Sean Dyche will come in and, and clearly his intention is to to build a team from the back, to, to shore them up, stop leaking goals and and build from there. And, you know, I think that's going to be key to, to Everton's uh, survival this season. You know, I'm, I'm previewing three teams that are really – trying to survive the league this year in, in Burnley, Everton, and and you'll hear my preview of, of Sheffield United later. But um, sort of the three of them are going to be fighting for, for survival this year. And I think key to to Everton is, is really Dyche transforming sort of the the playing group and the the mentality in the playing group. And there's been, a, I think, seven players have left the club in the off-season um, being released. Tom Davies just didn't want to sign a new contract and looks like he wants to go elsewhere. Um, but Dites really needs to stamp his own brand on this team. And and I think he's probably the perfect man for someone to come in and, and shore up a team and, and make sure that they're defensively solid. So I think key for Everton this year is, is really being able to get um, probably a new face in midfield to really be able to run the show for them. Um, Decore is in there, but Decore didn't have the greatest year last year and um, and probably someone to partner Tarkovsky at the back um, who who's going to be crucial for them in um, in making sure that they're, they're building from the back like we know Deitch wants to do. And look, they're not going to play pretty football at times, but they're going to play smart football and, and within their own means. So um, I think that's one thing for, for Everton fans to be excited about is is to see what Deitch can do. And there was a few games, particularly the Arsenal game at the back end of last season, which showed that, you know, Deitch isn't a, uh, a tactical dinosaur. He, he plays within his means and with the squad that he's got. And, I think that's really crucial for a team like uh, Everton at this stage. Um, in terms of what to be excited about, look, it's really difficult. There's been rumours of players coming in. Um, the the striker from Sporting, uh, what's his name? Shamiti, I think his name is. Uh, I, I believe he's on his way. Not sure if he's signed a contract confirmed yet, but uh, th- that's exciting that there could be some goals coming in there. Um but, you know, there's there's not much excitement in terms of um, faces coming in. Uh, I think the the first few games of the, of the season are going to be crucial to sort of set the tone for how Everton fans are really going to feel about uh, the season coming. 
Okay, looking at Fulham. So Fulham finished in 10th last year, just above Crystal Palace on the table. And you'd have to say it was a pretty successful season, getting some key points at key moments, um, allowing them to comfortably finish mid-table. Marco Silva guiding them to that position uh, with a good season. So some of the ins. So they've got Calvin Bassey who's come across from Ajax in the Eredivisie for 225 million euros so that's a big one there is center back uh raul jimenez come across from wolves now that's an interesting one he's only come across for 6.4 million euros he has uh, obviously struggled since his head injury so that's an interesting signing and he's 32 now so whether or not he can uh, be rejuvenated at a new club remains to be seen but he may end up being a bit of squad cover there for fulham um apart from that he wasn't technically part of their squad as far as um, on the books because he was actually a Shakhtar player on loan but you've got um, Solomon who had a, a pretty cracking impact on the team when he was in, involved and he's obviously gone to Spurs now so that leaves a bit of a gap in the squad. Um, other players that are linked to potentially moving away, uh, João Paulinha uh, is, is wanted by Liverpool and a number of other clubs uh, as a defensive midfielder and it will be interesting to see if he is still there come the end of the transfer window. Apart from that, there's a few murmurings about Mitrovic maybe going to Italy. Um, but apart from that, they're relatively settled, but they will need potentially to make a couple more signings. William has been linked elsewhere, um, and they probably want to hold him or keep keep hold of him before the window shuts. Um, my predictions for Fulham, probably finishing in a similar place, um, potentially getting leapfrogged by a couple other clubs. Um, but I think at this stage, their squad, like Crystal Palace, uh, is relatively settled. So it's just whether or not they can hold on to key players like Paulinha. Now onto my boys, Liverpool. So plenty of movement here and something that I've obviously been um, keeping a close eye on. So let's just focus on the ins to begin with. We've got Dominic Sobislav who's come across from Red Bull Leipzig. Now obviously he's come with a very exciting uh, reputation, uh, 70 million euros an attacking midfielder who can play in a number of positions in the front line so he will add a lot of um, flair to the team and it's just really exciting to finally have an attacking midfielder back on the books. Um, Alexis McAllister or should I say McAllister um, being the Argentinian in the squad now um, he's come across from Brighton and we all know about how well he performed in the World Cup so that's another midfielder that you know at a good age too I mean Sobosly is 22 McAllister is 24 so that's really brought the average age of the midfield down quite dramatically and we got him for 42 million euros so that's a great uh, bargain really and considering the worth of the player um, apart from that um, on the departure side, which is where most of the focus is, Fabinho has gone to Saudi Arabia, so is Jordan Henderson. Now that's a huge movement there for the club captain, meaning that Virgil van Dijk now is the captain and Trent Alexander-Arnold is the vice-captain. Firmino has also gone to Saudi Arabia, Naby Keita has gone to Werder Bremen, James Milner has gone to Brighton um, after a long stint with the club, and Fabio Cavallio has gone to Red Bull Leipzig on loan, so we're hoping to see him back next season after a good loan spell hopefully. Um, obviously, everyone will be gutted to see the end of Arthur Mello, who didn't really get on the pitch at all. He's gone back to Juventus. And we also have seen the end of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who's now 
moved on and hasn't got a club as far as I'm aware just yet. Um, so that's a big clear out in the midfield. It probably should have happened a season or two ago, um, but finally we've uh, got all of them out the door. Probably the main concern for Liverpool at this point, and I must timestamp this is the 5th of August, uh, there's not really anyone that's come in um, apart from those two midfielders I mentioned before. Um, they have been going after Lavia for, from uh, Southampton and they haven't been able to agree a fee. And as at the time of recording, it may look like that deal um, is, is not going to happen. Um, but that's the kind of area that they really need to strengthen because they have lost Fabinho and Henderson and that will be clearly a glaring point of weakness if they don't sort that out before the end of the transfer window. Apart from that, just hoping to see more stability there and hopefully another de defender to come in because I don't think our defence has been that hot the last couple of seasons either and we need some positions, particularly a left-sided centre-back would be preferable and potentially another right-back to cover Trent. All right, that's all from Liverpool. Um, cheers, boys. Luton are one of the feel-good stories of English football, winning three promotions in six seasons, rising from the fifth-tier National League to the Championship before knocking off Tommy C's Coventry in last year's playoff final. Not seen in the top flight since 1992, this is Luton's debut season in the Premier League, and they've done it without a fancy modern stadium with fancy doors not cut through people's houses. They've done it without a shake, multinational, an oil state or an oligarch to get them there. They've done it despite what their fans saw as a betrayal by the FA in 2008, where Luton would dock to whopping 30 points for the way in which they exited administration and for some financial irregularities, which led directly to their relegation to non-league football, where they languished for over four seasons. But they're back now where their fans have hoped and dared to dream that they belong and Rob Edwards' side should soak it up because they might not be there for very long. Some big ins for Luton, um, informed by the scars of 2008, uh, is a financially stable mindset, which they've um, carried into their Premier League debut, careful not to overspend. Um, headlines by Ryan Giles, 23, left back from Wolves via Tommy C's old Coventry football manager save, uh, as well as Tahit Chong, um, former Manchester United whiz kid uh, who's now 23 uh, and comes in on a permanent deal from Birmingham, um, as well as getting marvellous Nakamba back uh, on a permanent on a permanent basis following uh, a successful loan spell. Big outs. They'll miss American goalkeeper Ethan Horvath, who played every game last season, um, just about, uh, as well as their former captain, Sonny Bradley, uh, who made over 175 appearances for Luton Town and has worn the armband since their League One promotion in 2018. They should be excited. Their fans should be excited by seriously just being there. But that also has a good a good point too, which is they should not be really nervous about too much. Honestly, just go out and enjoy it. You don't have anything to worry about uh, if you're Luton. Um, you, you're thinking you might go back down, so just go out there and play some good football. One to watch. We obviously all want to keep an eye on Peli Ruddock Mapanzu, the first footballer to make it from non-league tiers of English football to the Premier League with the same club, um, having played for Luton since 2013. So we'll be um, keeping an eye out for him to see if he gets any minutes in the Premier League, which he should. Staying up would be wild, um, but playing good football, getting some wins and giving their fans some memories they'll never forget um, would be a successful season. I predict they're going to finish 20th. Tommy here, back to talk about uh, Man City. So Man City with Pep Guardiola at the helm, uh, likely to be quite a force once again. 
Uh, Harland will have his second season in the Prem. We'll be hoping to uh, to break his record, uh, his goal scoring record from last season. Uh, a couple of major ins. Uh, Mateo Kovacic has been signed from Chelsea for, a, in my opinion, a bit of a bargain fee. Uh, and Guardiol has been, you know, is likely to be signed in the coming days, I, I think, uh, from RB Leipzig. Uh, just another world-class centre-back that they'll they'll have there on the books. A um, couple of big outs, though. Uh, Riyad Mahrez uh, has gone to Saudi Arabia. And uh, Gudegan has gone on a free to Barcelona, so that's that's quite big as well. Um, no other real major ins or outs besides those two at this point. So it's been a relatively quiet sort of off-season to date for, for City. Um, City fans will be excited, just a, another year of Pep, another year of Haaland. Um, they've got lots of competitions to win and they'll be hoping to be competitive and you know win them all. Um, so the question really remains, can they repeat the treble or, or even go one better? Um, fans will be nervous about replacing Gudegan's goals and uh, also Mares was, was a really, um, had a really good attitude and showed that he was a great squad player for, for Pep. Um, I'm wondering if uh, we could see Cole Palmer uh, come in and, and get more minutes um, as a result of Mares leaving. Uh, so he's my one to watch. Uh, but in terms of a successful season, uh, really, it's it's another treble. Um, they'll be hoping to, you know, win the title again pretty comfortably, uh, and they'll they'll definitely fancy themselves to to get uh, deep into the Champions League once again. Probably semi-finals is is the minimum expectation there. In terms of the kit, um, the the home kit really reminds me of the Aguero kit. Um, not a lot of uh, not a lot going on there. There's sort of some like um, different colours or different different shades of pale blue. Um, look, it's it's a pretty inoffensive kit. Um, don't hate it. Don't love it either. Um, but the the away kit that's got big um, as Damo said, big esports uh, vibes about it, and I, I don't disagree with that. Um, not don't love the the kits. So I'm going to give them a six out of six out of ten. Time again with the other Manchester team, Manchester United now. Sir uh, Eric Ten Hag has been at uh, Manchester United for a full 12 months now. Um, they finished third last season, and I think they'll actually go one better this year, finishing in second. Uh, big contributions this year, I think, will come from uh, the the likes of Andre Onana. He's joined uh, from Inter Milan for $50 million. Uh, Mason Mount has also joined from... Uh, from Chelsea as well, which I think for a reported sixty million, um, and they're both really important signings. Um, probably Mason Mount, I think, is a is low key great signing for Eric Ten Hag, even if I do think that they've overpaid slightly there. A um, couple of key outs: David De Gea has obviously left on a free. Uh, seems imminent that Harry Maguire is likely to be leaving. He's had the captaincy stripped off of him. Uh, Alex Tellers has gone to Saudi, and Anthony Alanga has gone to Nottingham Forest as well. Um, fans will be excited about uh, Eric Ten Hag uh, moulding the squad to more to his liking. Um, obviously, with uh, Mason Mount, they'll have another functional midfielder, and this feels like the most functional midfield that um, Men United have had in the last 10 years now. Um, 
fans will be nervous about the the fact that the club sale hasn't been finalised, um, and they'll also be nervous about um, potentially the Mason Greenwood situation being another also big um, uh, a distraction. Uh, the charges were dropped against Mason uh, Mason Greenwood, but um, I think his partner has since had a baby and they're, they're now staying together. So um, I know a lot of fans think that um, Man United should basically just crack on and you know let him play, but um, they're also still doing that internal decision-making process where they're deciding whether or not to sell, loan, suspend or sack him. So yeah, it's, it, it's just uh, a pretty ugly situation really. One to watch, though, is uh, Alejandro Garnacho. Um, I think he's going to uh, have a really good season. He really sort of uh, uh, did well when he had minutes last season. Um, another player who I think might um, get some minutes and um, start to become a little bit more well-known to the to the general football public is, uh, I think it's Kobe Manu. I, I have no idea if I've uh, got that name right, but I've seen he's been getting some minutes in pre-season. So, um, yeah, wouldn't be shocked to see if he gets some minutes throughout the season. Successful season is finishing top four as a minimum, um, and also um, sort of get, uh, probably about sort of the quarterfinals, uh, the knockout stage in the Champions League. Um, I, I do think they'll be very uh, competitive in the league, and they they would love it if they could stay, you know, competitive in the title race up until sort of you know as late as February. But I just don't think they're going to have the quality um, as the season progresses to to uh, go all the way. Now, the kit, um, look, the home kit, not really much to report about theirs, um, but it's the away kit. That is the one that um, everyone seems to either love or hate. Um, and I think some people are starting to change their opinions about that particular kit. Um, it's black and white and with a red pinstripe uh, sort of in between the in between the, the solid, uh, the big black stripes. Um, I hated it the first time I saw it because it had like this weird green like filter over the photo. Um, but I tell you what, the more I see it, the more I'm actually starting to really like it. And I think this could become a bit of a cult classic. Um, yeah. Last year's Dark Horse in Newcastle United were outwardly a club of sensible ambition uh, with Eddie Howe's team ultimately outperforming and finishing in fourth, four points behind United and four points above Liverpool. This season uh, will hold a lot of questions uh, since the Saudi sovereign wealth investment into Newcastle United as to whether they can maintain lid on that sensible ambition, whether second season syndrome will kick in under Eddie Howe, have teams figured out how to play around their press um, and how will they go with um, the injuries across their team uh, with Bruno Guimaraes, uh, Wilson, Willock uh, and others they'll be hoping to keep fit and firing. Big ins, Harvey Barnes from Leicester, part of that fire sale comes in for $39 million, which is an absolute steal. The club have also done good business in bringing Sandro Tonali in from AC Milan for $55 million. Um, both will add strength and depth in the right areas for Newcastle. Uh, big outs. They've lost St. Maximan uh, to the Saudi Pro League. They've got $23 million for him, uh, as well as big Chris Wood, who goes over to Forrest. Um, and they've released one of the long staves. Matty uh, says goodbye to the club. Newcastle fans, though, should be excited about Champions League football returning to St. James's Park. They should be nervous about whether last season was just a flash in the pan and how coping with Champions League football will go. Have they added enough depth to the squad for that? 
Um, they've been very sensible, very selective in their recruitment so far. That worked for Eddie Howe last season, but will it be enough? There's a few to watch at Newcastle United. Uh, most people will talk about Elliot Anderson, the um, exciting young player coming up um, and having a pretty good preseason. Uh, Alex Isak is another uh, key player to watch. It's his second year at the club, obviously impressed last season with 10 goals in 22 appearances. Um, and with no further additions at centre forward and Wilson being injury prone as he is, you should expect Isak to get more opportunities and continue to shine. A successful season would be stabilising as one of the top six teams in the Premier League and showing everybody it wasn't just a flash in the pan uh, would be a massive statement. I predict that they'll go somewhere near that uh, and finish in sixth. Hello guys, I'm back again to talk you through Nottingham Forest for season 2023-2024. Now... This was the hardest preview for me to put together because I think, just like you, just like I think every Nottingham Forest fan, I don't know anything about Nottingham Forest because I need to reiterate here, last season they signed 30 players over two transfer windows for over £200 million. Now that I don't... I don't think that served them particularly well. I mean, they're still in the league, so I guess there's something to be said. Um, last season, finishing 16th. Um, but I'm nervous for how they're going to go this season. Now, again, I could, this could be completely wrong. They may have signed 25 players by the time this podcast comes out. But yeah, there were some really concerning kind of things from last season, like... 38 goals were scored, 68 conceded. I mean, there was an impressive home record, but the away record for Forrest was abysmal last season with 13 losses, five draws, and only one win away. That's something Forrest are really gonna have to improve if they want to stay in the Premier League. Um, on the transfer front, um, some, some notable ins were um, Anthony Linga, who's a winger from Manchester United. Um, Ola Aena, who's a Nigerian international. And more familiar to MTAG listeners, I'd say Chris Wood has joined Forrest. Um, some outs, um, Sam Sudage, Ryan Ojeda, Andre Ayu, and of course MTAG's boy, Jay Lings, is out. Um, that's disappointing for everyone, I suppose, but um, I think fans do have a little bit to be excited about. I mean, such as having a squad that knows each other by name, um, has had a bit of time to settle. But I would be nervous about going down. I think this might be a enjoy, enjoy it while you can type thing. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, w one to watch this season, again, if you know anything Nottingham Forest, which again I've already stated I don't really, I'd say Morgan Gibbs-White is the player to watch. Um, he was a leading assist taker, I think top for appearances, third in the Golden Boot. Uh, aside from him, uh, that Danilo, if he's if Forest gets managed to keep hold of him, he'll be you know great. Of one of the you know, yeah. Uh, apart from those two, again to completely run this joke into the ground. 
it'll be one of those guys to watch for or one of the other 150,000 players still to sign. I think a successful season for Forrest will be consolidating that Premier League status. Um, but I do predict them to finish 18th and go down. But again, if we just back it up to what they finished last season, 17th, who knows. Um, on the kit front, um, Nottingham Forest are back with Adidas. Um, and they've got some rather nice looking kits here. Looking at the home kit now, um, it looks like a Wales, Wales shirt because again, for the you know first or for, sorry, for the second season, Nottingham Forest are beginning the season with zero shirt sponsorships. Um, it may be that they put on uh, like they did last season a charity of some kind. I think that's pretty cool. I think clean kits without sponsors are fantastic for fans, and it just looks better. But yeah, I, I, I think from what I've read, the reason for this is the owner who doesn't mind spending 200 million on 30 players um, is holding out for 10 million a year um, for a shirt sponsorship. So the home is pretty um, bland, but it looks really nice. The away is sort of like a curvy Argentina number. Looks quite cool. And the third, I believe is meant to be I'm not sure what it's meant to be. I don't really like it. It looks a bit, yeah, it, it's their poorest one. I'd say as the third shirt, I think that's apt. I think it's the third best shirt there. So guys, thank you for listening to my previews. Um, that was Nottingham Forest, or as close as I'll get to reviewing Nottingham Forest. Thank you for listening, and I'm going to go to bed. It's a pretty grim outlook for Sheffield United this season. And when they got promoted a few years ago, I was very boyish on the on the team's uh, chances from their performances in the championship. And they went on to do to do quite well in that first season back in the Premier League a couple of years back. But uh, it's, it's nearly the opposite feeling at the moment. It doesn't feel like there's a great vibe around the club. Uh, there's been a lot of financial issues which led to the club being under a transfer embargo and they weren't able to sign anyone in January, which everyone thought might hinder the chances of, of securing promotion, but they did well with what they had towards the back end of the year, mainly buoyed by uh, the star boy up front, Iliman and Jai. Uh, Senegalese international had a great world cup as well. Uh, he turned down a new contract offer and the club has sold a 40 million pound striker for 20 million pounds. So that's uh, not a great way to, to kick off, you know, a week before the season starts and no new faces in yet. It's uh, rumours that the, the owners have really only given sort of 15 to 20 million pounds as a transfer budget, which is, you know, signing yourself up for relegation if, if that's how you're going to go about it. Uh, Hacking Bottom's got a lot of a lot on his plate. Uh, he's, he's got he's got a championship level squad that he's got to try and grind results out with, and you know he's um he's he's got a lot he's got a lot to do. I think the club have just let go a couple of couple of key defenders as well in Ender Stevens and, and Jack O'Connell. Both haven't played as much as a role as they did in the last promotion campaign, but still definitely key in that sort of depth area for, for defense where Sheffield United really pride themselves on being a great team, obviously conceding the fewest goals in the championship last year. Again, um, 
but yeah, look, they're going to be relying on, you know, key players like Sanderberg in midfield. Um, hopefully he can, he can lift again. Another level has been a lot of eyes on him. Uh, he's, he's been really loyal to the club and he stayed since that uh, relegation season when he was signed a few years ago. And uh, I think for me though, the one to watch this year is Anel Amadovic. He, uh, He's actually, fun fact, he's the only player Sheffield United have paid a transfer fee for since the summer of 2020. So it's pretty great uh, that they're not uh, spending any money, but it's also a good sign that the club have been able to to have a, a promotion campaign without having bought anyone for three years apart from him. And uh, look, he, he cost only £4 million, uh, but he's, he's of that overlapping centre-half mould that uh, Chris Wilder brought to the Premier League a few years ago and that Paul Heckingbottom has, has really continued that style of play through the championship in the last year and a half. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough season. Um, they're going to bring in a few last minute loans. I would imagine they're trying to keep a couple of loans that they had a couple of young guys from Manchester city last year, which were, which were crucial towards the back end of the year. So uh, look, they've got a lot of business left to do. And it's weird to say that when, you know, we're only two weeks out from the season or less. And uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of business yet to be done, but in saying that, even, even with a lot of business, I think Sheffield United are staring down the barrel of going straight back down to the championship. And it's even as the most positive of, of Sheffield United fans and believer in, in hacking bottom style of football, it's, it's a, too tough of an ask, I think this year. And unfortunately I think they'll be going back down. Understandably, all the talk here in Australia when it comes to Spurs is centred around new manager Big Ange Postacoglu, who makes history as the first Australian to manage in the Premier League. Ange is already facing huge challenges in the off-season, however, with the transfer saga surrounding one of the Premier League's best players in Harry Kane. But expectations around Spurs should be fairly measured, with the club almost certainly in a rebuild following the side's worst league finish in over a decade, coming in at eighth last season. But Ange will be quickly, uh, quick to realise that that will mean very little if Tottenham goes on an early losing streak. Let's talk about big outs first. Um, obviously, there's huge transfer speculation um, surrounding Harry Kane at the time of recording with a couple of weeks left in the transfer window. Uh, we know Hugo Lloris has already confirmed that he wants to leave and was given permission to skip the club's pre-season tour, so he's all but out the door. Uh, and the club have also parted ways with Harry Winks and Lucas Moura. Big ins, headlined so far by James Madison from Leicester for $40 million, which is an absolute steal for a player of his quality. Uh, as well as Guillermo Vicario from Empoli uh, for nearly £20 million, um, looking uh, like he might be the number one keeper in Ange's side. Uh, Manuel Solomon comes in from Shakhtar Donetsk um, and the club has confirmed uh, Pedro Porro and Dejan Kulosevsky uh, as permanent signings. Ange will be also looking to strengthen in the centre of defence, or at the very least not rely on Eric Dyer. Uh, throughout next season, uh, with Spurs having locked in promising youngster Ash Phillips and a strongly linked with Mickey van der Ven of Wolfsburg, who, with his pace and physicality, would perfectly suit Ange's style of play. Now, Spurs fans should be excited about the rebuild um, and having an up-and-coming manager in Postacoglu who will do that completely and with respect uh, for the club and fans, which Spurs fans will really appreciate. They'll also be able to do this with full focus on the league, which will help a lot. Uh, 
they should be nervous about um, a squad without Harry Kane because obviously a squad with Harry Kane is better than a one without. Um, and his potential departure, along with club captain Hugo Lloris, uh, will leave a huge void in leadership, which Anne should look to fill ASAP, especially given Spurs' on-field tendency to be a bit spineless at the best of times. But this is a challenge that's right in Ange's wheelhouse, and he's already added this off the pitch, bringing in Mila Jednak as an assistant. One to watch for Aussies, obviously, it's Big Ange. Um, but for everyone else, uh, we should be watching Madison. Um, he'll be a huge addition creatively in the final third of the pitch. Um, and Spurs fans will hope that he's supplying Harry Kane. But one to watch could be Pigeon Mbappe if things don't change or if things change for the worse. A successful season would be playing very attractive football in the style that we know Ant will bring um, and bettering that eighth place season and, and pushing to be back in the Champions League spots at the end of the season. I predict that they'll um, go close to this uh, but just miss out finishing in seventh. Tommy, back to review West Ham now. Uh, West Ham coming off of that big... Um uh, Europa Conference League win at the end of last year in their first trophy for uh, almost 40 years. Um, but things haven't quite gone to plan over the off-season. Um, there was the expected sale of Declan Rice for over $100 million to Arsenal. Um, but uh, And also uh, Arthur Masuaku, Manuel Lenzini have both left. It uh, looks like Skamaka is about to leave as well. Creswell is rumoured to be not training um, ahead of a, a move or a, um, a requested move to, to Wolves. Um, but look, the ins are pretty sparse at this point. Um, there's been no one signed. So um, that's been put down to um, pretty much disagreement between the new technical director, Tim Steinton, uh, who's come in from Leverkusen, um, and the manager, David Moyes. So, look, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see one of them uh, ends up leaving before the end of the transfer window, to be perfectly honest, because um, it's been a shit show. Um, fans will be excited about a third straight season in Europe. Um, after They'll be in the Europa League this year. Um, but fans will be very nervous about a lack of uh, signings uh, and the fact that any signings that they do make over the next couple of weeks will be joining the team late. Um they uh, also will be very nervous about, I guess, that whole midfield um, uh, area. Uh, Suchek was in some pretty poor form last year um, in the league and Declan Rice was really carrying the team for, for lots of the, um, the league campaign. One to watch is definitely Devin Mubama. Um, he's an 18-year-old who absolutely lit up the under-23s last year. Um, he's already made three appearances off the bench, and I think Moy sees a lot of physical um, and mental similarities between him and Mikhail Antonio. Also, Max Cornet uh, was great at Burnley, but he's uh, had a pretty uh, horrific run with injuries since joining West Ham, so he'll be like a new signing this season for them. Um, look, a successful season will be, you know, top half of the table and Europa League quarterfinals, um, but I'm expecting a far worse season. I'm predicting that they will finish 16th. Um, in terms of the kit, um, yes, this is the Aston Villa kit, but it does have some sort of bubbles on it, which is kind of interesting, but yeah, I don't really like it. Um, and the away kit is is really nice. Uh, it's an all-white number. They've done like the, the low-vis um, 
uh, crest on it as well, which is great. Um, it's just ruined by the big Betway sponsorship slapped in the middle of the kit, which is just dumb. So um, could have been uh, a fantastic kit if like everything had been low vis, but uh, obviously Betway weren't having it. That's West Ham. Uh, Tommy back to discuss Wolves. Uh, so Wolves uh, back again in the Premier League, finished 13th last season under manager Julian Lopetegui, who really, really reinvigorated the, the squad, um, brought in some fresh ideas after Bruno Lage um, and the, the team were really struggling last year. Um, in fact, Lopetegui, I thought, had done one of the best managerial jobs uh, over the course of the, the season. Uh, quite a few big outs at Wolves, though. Ruben Neves has gone to Saudi. He was one of the first ones to go. Uh, Joao Machinho, he's been released at the end of his contract. Uh, Raul Jimenez, he's gone to Fulham for $5 million. Nathan Collins has gone for $20 million to Brentford. And Connor Cody has gone uh, to Leicester, I think, on a, on a cheap deal as well. Um, that all points to, I guess, um, the big issue at Wolves at the moment, which is that they're under quite a bit of financial fair play stress. Um, they haven't really brought in anyone, um, and so I'm, I'm predicting that they will have to sign a couple of a couple of players um, quite late on in the window. Wouldn't shock me if they get some players on uh, on loan as well. Fans will be excited about Lopetegui just being there, and I think he can fashion a competitive, solid side out of uh, limited resources. Um, but fans, I think, will there's quite a bit to be nervous about at Wolves. Um, the core of the the squad's recent successes have all left, um, and like I said, they're under some real FFP stresses. So there's not going to be any major uh, big money signings coming in in the next couple of weeks. Um, one to watch. Well. Pedro Neto, I guess he's sort of the uh, the one that I could sort of point towards. Um, he promised to, to really shine last year, but um, barely played pretty much the whole campaign. So he really needs to, to step up if Wolves are going to be successful this year. In terms of a successful season, it's just avoiding relegation. Um, and But I'm predicting that they won't be able to do that. I'm predicting that they will finish 18th. Um, in terms of the kit, I think the home kit um, by Castore is is actually not bad. It's uh, it's a, you know pretty plain orange number, but I think it's the trim that really gets it across the line. Um, black and white uh, striped trim, um, which makes it just like quite a tidy um, bit of a minimalist, but quite a tidy kit nonetheless. Um, of course, it's got a betting sponsor though, so that's always uh, always minus points there. Um, the away kit is pretty garbage to be honest it looks like a bit of a training kit with like some red pattern and um uh, some gray paneling on the side makes it look like an adelaide united kit from about five years ago um not a fan of, of either of those to be honest um uh sorry i say again i'm, I'm a bit of fan of the the home kit I'd give that an eight out of ten uh, but the home kit i've given that a three and that is the end of the pod for, for this year. Um, we hope that you've enjoyed um, our team-by-team team previews as well as our predictions of what's likely to happen over the course of the season. Um, we'll be doing uh, uh, not weekly pods uh, again, unfortunately, this season. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> our predictions were right that we were going to be uh, missing a lot of time this year. So um, we'll be trying to basically do pods whenever we can. Um, and obviously to try and keep people updated about how um, more than a game FBL is going. So uh, until next time, enjoy the football.